Yo, excuse me, Mrs. Lynn. Yeah. Have you ever seen a show with a couple on the mic with bad content and it don't come out right? We tight. They ain't never tight. And that's not polite. Am I lying? No, you're quite right. Well, tonight on this every mic you're about to hear, we, we swear, swear the, the best, best podcast of the year. So, so. Here we go. Scream Bravo. Also, if you, you didn't, didn't know, this is our show. Hey, I like that. Welcome. 20 to life. So, we got a great show today, y'all. Um, we got a special guest coming on today. We'll talk more about her here in a second. But, yo, it's been, this is our fourth show? Yeah. This is our fourth, fourth yep. show, yo. It's been pretty live, man. I've been I've been really enjoying it. Me too. Um, okay. I mean, it's been a blast, actually. I look forward to it every day. It's a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> but it's been fun, yo. Real fun. Like, it's been dead. It's been it's been fun. It's been real fun. So, um, what'd you do today? <sighs> Went out and enjoyed the sun. Yo, so it was like 63 degrees today, and I think. sunny. Like, for real sun. Yeah, it was beautiful out. Not that bullshit that Lansing, Michigan tries to give us sometimes. No, it was beautiful out, y'all. So, like, we went, did our social distancing thing, encountered a bunch of people on the... It was was probably more people than I wanted to see out today. That were not practicing social distancing. No, a lot of people wasn't, yo. Like, I heard some people out there talking trash about the social distancing, too. A couple people was out there flying the drone. Mm -hmm. But anyways, we took the drone out, rode our bikes down to... Rotary Park. Yeah, Rotary Park. Rotary Park. Sat out there just in the sun, getting the sun on us, um, kicking back. It was a good time. On yo. the river. On the river, yeah. And we rode to the Capitol, yeah. sat on the steps for a little bit. Yeah, it was a good time. It was real nice. It was fun. Solita Gonzalez says, what Soily. are we going to be talking about? Let's pull her over. Um, So today, um, we have Tashmika Torak going to be on today. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more to, about her later in depth, but she's yeah. the special guest. So she's going to be our special guest, but she's going to talk about, just to give you a short synopsis of what it's going to be about, um, something that I never really thought about, yo. Like, I've seen, I seen people say something about this, but I never really thought about, like, the impact that it could have. Mm-hmm. But, like, think about an abused child or somebody that's being abused being their only out is to get away from the house to go to school or go to work and maybe abuse woman or abuse child or whatever the case is for any any aspect of that. The only way they can get out the house is to go to school or go somewhere else. And now with this quarantine in effect, they're pretty much trapped in that house for 24 hours a day, seven yeah. days a week with somebody. Which is not the norm for them. And something that's been you know talked about a lot is like the, the food issue. That's something that people have kind of been aware about, you know, aware of that those might be, you know, breakfast, lunch, or the the two meals that they might get every day. So that needs been met really well. There's a lot of organizations that came out. The schools are continuing to feed kids. But this is something that people probably don't think about. And that's the, you know, stay at home order kids that are in an unsafe environment. So if they're in an unsafe environment and they have to stay at home, they're not going to school Monday through Friday, getting that outlet. Um, Tashimika runs an organization um, that's been around for a long time. It's, Lan- it's Lansing-based. It's, uh, the office is out in Holt, but um, it's for the Tri-County area. And they provide a lot of resources. They've been around for a long time, and uh, she does a lot of great work. And so she'll be able to talk a little bit about, you know, what are some of those red flags and what can you do, what can we do 
um, and just kind of what to look out for, things like that. But these are things people probably don't think about. But with the quarantine chronicles, you just, there's all these new things that, you know, we never really thought about. And now we're all talking about and wondering about. And kids is something that I think everybody wants to protect. But um, so her, her foundation does that. The Firecracker Foundation, if anybody's seen like in the very beginning of uh, when we started to promote this today, we put out um, just a short little post about it. And then I had a donation spot. So. I mean, give to a good cause at, at the end of the day, anything that you gave, anything that you would give to this foundation is going directly to the kids and to keep that organization afloat. Knowing right now it's a really tough time for organizations because everything's shut down and it's hard to get with people. Yeah. So, Nonprofits are struggling. Right. <laughs> so her mission statement, I'll read you just a little bit of, of that is honor. So actually, let me see how long this is. Okay. Honoring the bravery of children who have survived sexual trauma by building a community invested in the healing of their whole being. We believe in healing power of quality therapy that is rooted in consistency, faithfulness, and deep trust. We believe in fostering a community committed to learning how to protect their children and sharing that knowledge with others. We believe that divine, excuse me, delving into the arts can provide a healing outlet that supports the work done in therapy. We believe that physical exercise helps children reconnect to their hearts to their body while building confidence in their abilities. We believe that through the collaboration of our community resources, we can provide families with the resources they need to break the cycle of abuse in our generation. We believe that the adult survivors in our community are, what is this, uniquely qualified to mentor, serve, and advocate for children on their path to healing. So I guess that's kind of what we're doing is advocating by bringing bring it yeah. on here to talk about this exactly so. so if you've got if you have any questions or things that you think you know might be good to talk about with her think about those throw them in the comments let us know um when we bring her on she'll she'll be happy to talk about what she does in depth and answer any questions that people have yeah so i don't expect this to probably bump loud until maybe about another 30 minutes or so given that it's still daylight out everybody's just coming down from the 60 first 60 degree I think it was 64 degree day so yes remind remember though that this is always we film this and then this will always be available on our youtube and yep. then eventually it'll be available through podcasts as well so you guys can listen to it so there. we record it live it. but it'll always be on youtube the next day so exactly. you'll be able to see so it and uh, we'll link up anything we talk about so we'll have all the links to the firecracker foundation um if you want to learn more about that uh look in those services maybe even volunteer your time my daughter-in-law taylor what's up tay Tay's 21st birthday was two days ago, and she had to spend it quarantined in the house. Yes, she did. Which sucks. Yes. So everybody wish her a happy birthday. Taylor Finnamore here. Let's see. Let's add her to the broadcast for a second. Yay. Yay. We love her. She's great. She She's is. Awesome. She's awesome. Awesome people. Um. So anyways, what's new with y'all, man? Is there anything that y'all been involved in? Comment on the side. Let's talk about some things. What y'all do today? Yeah. What did everybody do today? Like, what did, what did everybody get cracking? Did anybody catch up on some of the TV shows we talked about yesterday? Oh, about that. So <laughs> no spoilers. Two but... <laughs> things. Two things I want to tell y'all about. We finished uh, Ozark last night. Season three. Season three of Ozark last night. And man. It was crazy, yo. Like, I'm I'm just gonna be straight. Like all three seasons that I watched, the last three episodes of Ozark, this last this last season was just epic. Like real yeah, talk. Like it was great. It was beautiful. It was great. It was everything that I would have wanted. And I'm sad it's gone. Cause now we gotta wait for however long until <laughs> for they bring too it back. long. And it's funny because usually with with you know series, it's like the first season's always the best one. You're like, oh, the first season was great. And the second one is pretty good. Third one's pretty good. Yeah. Ozark, I, legit. 
every season was better than the last one so far. Yeah, I was lightweight skeptical as hell about Ozark coming back. I'm like, yo, what can they possibly, how can they possibly add on they to got- this storyline? They nailed it. They nailed it. Nailed but, it. So, so we've got mom in the house, Sharon. Yeah, Sharon. my mom's and my mom just has some work done. So everybody pray for my mom. She had to go into the eye of the devil and get some surgery done at the hospital, but she's back home. Minor now, surgery, relaxing. thankfully, but who wants to be in the hospital right now for anything? So yeah. prayers up for her. Yeah, got- prayers to my mom. Who else we got? Um, oh, so. Again, the second thing, last night it was like 1.30, 2, 2 o'clock in the morning. We're buzzing off the show, talking about everything, going through. We just got done watching Ozark. So then I'm like, man, I want to – I had to watch I Am Legend, yo. If y'all ain't seen that in a while, pick I Am Legend back up. Take on. a look at it. It was mm. awesome. I watched it to the end. Erica snoozed out, but I watched it to the end. It was great. And um, definitely I had forgotten the entire starting, the whole beginning of the movie, I had completely forgotten about. Like, it was like watching it for the first time. It's been that long, so it was great. Yeah, it was good. Layla says she worked 10 hours and then painted rocks with the kids. Dope. My, my mom's been painting rocks lately. That's been something she's been doing. So that's some good mom stuff right there. No, yeah. Worked 10 hours, then went home and painted rocks with the kids. Right, right, right. No, <laughs> that sounds that like one. great great plan because work no tv motorcycle riding streets are straight legit no traffic yeah she's in texas too y'all yeah. so she said i love i am legend y'all i am legend was the best I, you know the thing is i know probably everybody's seen it this is a movie from like 2007 i think yes yeah, yo why didn't he just throw the grenade out there and couple <laughs> himself in there with the other i just it makes me so angry yo and then they actually did find oh my god it hurts my film. Then they killed my, my girl off, the dog. And he was like, Samantha. I cried again, y'all. Then when she turned on him and then I he knew had it was to choke coming. her out. Cried again. Oh, and you know Will Smith is he's yo, such a Will's, great actor. Will's amazing, so, yeah. Will's, Will's amazing. But that movie is just dope all the way through. I don't care. I don't care if you know the whole storyline or whatever. You Still can worth watch watching. That. Yeah, you can watch that over and yeah. over again. I had, I had forgotten it was about a virus <laughs> until I started nah, watching it. Yo, so the virus in that movie it's kind of like what they saying now this virus is it jumps from people to people but the thing is if that virus it turns you into like some crazy yeah it was like a rabies type yeah rabies know. type virus yeah but and then, it was created from a cancer like cure the cure for cancer i was like wow yeah yeah it was, it was i had it forgotten was. about, I forgot that. about I that. that i was watching last night i was like so the cure for cancer it turned out virus- to be Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even get that. I didn't catch yes. that. I was too enamored by his his AR fifteen <laughs> he was running around with. Uh, <laughs> but so yeah, that was our day, yo. Like we just chilled today. It was beautiful. I woke up today. It was a great day out. I, like, I worked I a little bit in the morning. This. He yeah. was up, he was up ready to go, and I'm like trying to finish work. But I took some time this afternoon. I told everybody at work I'm taking a mental health afternoon, yeah. and we're gonna do some fun things and get out in the sun, breathe in some fresh air. <sighs> So one thing we talked about yesterday real real briefly was about the issue that happened out in East Lansing with the police brutality and how like all of this stuff is coming yes. out. Can you pull that? Or I'm gonna pull it actually. What was it on? It was on And I actually um a friend tagged me in an article about um some new develop- new developments, I guess, today. Uh, the mayor of East Lansing apparently requested the police reports in, in uh, video from said officer that, that's been involved in these two incidents, and that was yesterday. So today they were released, but all of the police reports were heavily redacted, like Again, heavily. They like, was they was heavily redacted the first time that they put them out. Well, that that was the other case, wasn't it? 
Oh, that this was the this case, is the, the first case, case, the original yeah. one that popped back up. So it was heavily redacted. And then the video, literally, I'm like the nerve. And they said it shows everything up to the incident yeah. and then How picks convenient. back up when he's already in the back seat, you know, arrested. And so now they're coming back around and the mayor's having to kind of say, like, hey, you kind of have to do exactly what I'm telling you to do. So she's superseding what they're trying to give her and saying, no, we need it all redacted, not redacted in, in the full video. So um, City Pulse actually put out an article, Kyle Kaminsky, shout out, um, wrote the article. So you got a chance to read that unless you've got it up and kind of synopsis. Yeah, just that, that they were basically holding out on him and the mayor, the actual mayor of East Lansing was saying, hey, we need that information. And so it just brought me to one thing that I talked about yesterday, too, when one of the city council members who said he was an assistant to the AG or the assistant to the attorney general, yeah, out, out towards... Detroit or something like that was trying to say I worked next to the state police for such and such a time and I was this and I was that and I've never seen anybody protect protect a bad police officer and when he said that that's when I jumped in my car and did 90 miles an hour out there so I could talk because I was like yo you gotta be out of your mind who who do you think protects them why do you think it's so hard when things like this happen to find out exactly what happened the truth and there you know the accountability and something i was thinking about is like who decides you know what bad is and you know how can you be if, if it's a fellow police officer it's really difficult for somebody to say oh my fellow police officer that that was bad nobody he, says yeah it, take, nobody's it takes it. a strong will to, to step out on that and say yes. if anybody has ever seen um oh what is that movie Serpico, Serpico. Mm, with Al Pacino. Yeah, Serpico. Watch that movie. That'll tell you why people don't step out and, and talk when when things are going like that. And that's the reason why people don't step out. Your, right. your life could be in danger after you do. But. but that was just a crazy development today with that, that there's even a question, like, with all the layers to the story, the young man that came out recently that everybody knew about, you got to think, this case that came out happened before that same officer. Now that's coming out. And then also, you know, a report came out that um, black black people are disproportionately stopped by the East Lansing police. So they're working on that. Man, and I love being black. It's <laughs> stupid. Man, who don't want to have an encounter with a police officer and say hi, right? But yeah, it's just, you know, there's a lot of layers to it. But I, I'm hopeful um, that East Lansing and, and the powers that be will do the right thing. You right, know? Right. That, so one thing we will do is we're going to actually break into this whole situation because there's a lot that was involved with it that I want to break down to everybody. And we haven't really gotten into that whole thing yet, but no, but I do want to read this comment because it's Hold so true. Yeah. Over. We're going to bring it on. Yep. So cause Soily says, I always say racism still exists. They're just better dressed suit and ties. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. And, and, and we'll elaborate that on a future show. I think we can talk some, some good stuff about that. James Baldwin said, y'all like being black in America is like, you never know who it could be. You never know if it could be your dentist, your doctor, your surgeon, the guy that's going to perform heart it, surgery on you, just your lawyer. Here. It could be anybody. It could be the cop the that you need to be able to trust. Yeah, you if you if you if you have any type of conscious understanding of racism, then all of those people could be exactly that. So yeah, you yeah. And right. something to just throw out real quick before we you know move on from that is we're starting to see now the trickle down effect of you know something that there's always talk about racism racism but i think people have gotten really uh desensitized to it a little bit but now it's to a point where it's almost where you cannot ignore it because now it's happening so often with so many different people at this point um and and i i firmly believe it's because of the current administration i'll always you know believe that you know fight me over that but um we've got 
you know, Hispanics because of the things that are being said. Now Asians, there's you know hate crimes on on you know on the That's rise. That's despicable the, too. I so talk all these about things, yeah, quick. like there's just. <laughs> so I I seen a post there talking about how, um, how Asians were being like discriminated against heavily right now because it is coronavirus, and there's a couple things about that. Obviously, being the fact that our president says that it's the Chinese virus doesn't help that situation. He knows when he's antagonizing the situation and throwing flames on it. But they were talking about they were getting spat on, cussed out. And I made a post and I was like, yo, this better not ever happen in front of me. Like, I'm definitely going to have to do something about that. Like, I couldn't just stand back and watch another human being be done like that. And I got so much backlash from people in my community saying, why would we ever step in to help them? They've never helped us or they this, that. And I'm like, yo, it doesn't matter. Like, if you see racism happening anywhere, like why or any type of harassment of that nature or any nature whatsoever be happening anywhere. Like you have to imagine it just because it's not me. Like I'm not going to say nothing or step in and deal with that. Like, so my thing is like, you know, that people say these, well, well, the Asians, when you go into an Asian market, they all treat you a certain way. Like that's one person. This is again with the rental health situation. When you realize that don't, you can't generalize everything. It's not if it's everybody. one person that treated you some way, that doesn't mean all of them are bad or that all of them feel that way. So ultimately, yeah. it was like, I'm sitting here listening to these people. I'm just like, yo, you got to be kidding me, man. Like, well, we can't be stepping in wild. on their battles. And it's not their battle. It's everybody's battle in humanity when somebody's being treated wrong. I'm not going to ever sit back and watch. It doesn't matter if it was one of my brothers, a black man spitting on a white man. I'm not going to sit back and watch that if it's not deserving. So at the end of the day, if this man is racist and he's being racist towards this person, it's one thing. But if you got your own biases and you're attacking somebody who has nothing to do with anything because you feel that way. I mean, that's just. I sat back and I sat back and watched the thread, and I was, and then it wasn't everybody. There was a lot of people on there that were like, "No, that's wrong. That's terrible." I would stand up, you know, blah blah blah. But there was a few that were just, I mean, going hard on just saying like, "That's not our problem. That's not my problem." I'm like, man, that's that's such what's wrong in the world right now. If you can't see my shirt, my shirt, my shirt actually says "Together We We Rise," as you can see. So we as a family, that's never going to be okay. You I'm know, sorry. Not <laughs> Just at all. never. And that's why I was saying, like, <clears throat> I think may, maybe, like, me being somewhat of a bully killer, like, I just don't like bullies whatsoever. I don't like anybody that bullies you. Like, if you're a person who has stature or you have something that makes it so that you are over top or overbearing or can impress another person, you're like, that's just something I can't stand. I can't deal with. So. Same. Yeah. Same. So, anyways, yeah. that was that. Um, coronavirus let's talk about that just for a second i don't want to do a whole the lot of quarantine about it. chronicles are going to be short but yeah. you know it's on our mind this is supposed to take y'all minds away from it but mm. there is a public service announcement oh, yeah. now they're saying which we already all knew <laughs> but they're already now they're saying that it is beneficial for people to wear a mask wherever you leave out of the house and are in a public setting yes. so and we already knew that but see this is where the government and the powers that be try to protect their rations of things. So when they were trying to protect their rations of N95 masks and so on and so forth, then it was like, no, everybody doesn't need one. Don't go out and panic by Don't go out and panic by masks. Now it's all of a sudden it's like, well, if you're going to be out, wear one because this thing is in the air. <laughs> you know, now all of a sudden it's like a mist that's just walking around here. And if we had an infrared light, we could <laughs> see it. So don't go out without. So now it's like, just safeguard yourselves, you know, however best you can. And basically, we're following a lot of the other countries that kind of were already doing so. And this is actually coming because we and I wanted to talk about this because we touched on it. I think it was yesterday. Somebody had asked about the gloves and the mask situation. Like, 
you know, which are good, which are the best. And basically what they're saying is that they're, you know, still saying this is from the CDC. It's not protecting you like the cloth ones. But if somebody is, say, asymptomatic or even has symptoms, it'll protect everybody else. So if everybody wears them, then it slows the spread. So that's basically what they're saying. Yeah. So today when we were out, like I seen an exceptional amount of cars. I was like, wow, that's a lot of people out here driving on the way. But, you know, some people still got to work, though. So, I mean, yeah. It was really busy, though. I mean, for the time it was. I don't know. I'm like, are you all essential? I don't know. I went out and see my dad today. I walked out. We went out there and um, social distance, even with my dad, who's been in the house for, I mean, he's been in the house close to three weeks, too. And Mm -hmm. we still didn't get close. We stayed our little eight, ten feet away, Mm -hmm. had a good conversation. And again, my dad's over there by himself right now, and he was just talking about how tough it's been, you know, being over there by himself and whatnot. So that was kind of rough to listen to. Yeah. You know, but my it, pops is he's gonna make it through it. And this ain't he's the strong, worst thing he's but been it, I know it's got to be tough. You know, it, it's easy. So check on y'all people, up. man. Yes. However you can, even if it's just to go sit around, sitting, sit, you know, sit ten feet away and just see see somebody face, because sometimes people need that, man. Absolutely. Video call, text phone call right now i would say video call and call i know a lot of people these days don't you know we do the text thing right now but i think right now people need to see your face and hear your voice you know mm-hmm. that's makes it always makes me feel better right Ex- so that's that as far as that goes and we do have a special guest to bring on today like we talked about my mom just put in here let's see what she said can you discuss parent and adult children relationships well we did way. remember that <laughs> Mom, okay. so the thing is, like, I think it was last or two, the second second show, we talked a lot about that, but we can touch on yeah. a little bit. But um, it's been easier to discuss parent-adult-children relationships. So it's been it's been a lot easier for us. Oh, that's really good. This is a segue to a conversation we were just having with my dad, actually. It's been easy for us to be parents of an adult kid because my son and our, my kids are, like, I guess they're independent in a way. Yeah, they're responsible, like, fairly responsible. Mikey especially, um, who... Has he's the lived oldest. with us, and he's the oldest, but he's lived with us the entire time. So the responsibility factor there is a lot higher. But he is on his own doing his thing. You know, him and Tay have a place up in Ypsilanti, and they're, you know, kicking back, going to school, doing their thing. So I mean, it's not bad he's now. Working I, and going to school. <laughs> I really, literally, can now be a dad. You know what I'm saying? I, I shouldn't say just a dad, but I can be like a dad friend, rather than yeah. be like the dad that's always bogging on him about this or about that. So. I think keeping boundaries still, you know, like I need him to understand that I know more than he does regardless. And I'm always going to know more because I have 18 years on him. Eventually, he will get to a point where he could possibly know book more book smart stuff than I do. But ultimately, I'm going to know more about life because I've just seen it. I've already been there. I've, I've worked the curve and he's that he's on right now. So, And, and I think as they get older and they become these young adults, it starts getting a little bit easier where they can, you know, they talk to you a little bit more about things and kind of talk to you about your mindset, or your perception. And, and so the conversations kind of change because they're navigating life, too, now. So you you hope that you have a relationship with your kids where they're going to talk to you about those things because it's not easy, especially for these young adults that are working and going to school, you know, trying to get their degrees and it's not easy. And you want to keep that line of communication open. You definitely want your kids to feel like they can come talk to you about anything. And I hope that he feels he can talk to me about anything and they feel like they can talk to me about anything. I mean, it's changed. I've changed a lot, you know, through my working and trying to make myself a better person. I'm a lot easier to approach now than I probably ever was before. So. That makes it easier as well. Um, One thing I would say about the that dynamic too, with Sharon, you kind of you bring up a really good you know point because something I see a lot of 
you know, parents of adult children struggle with is if you have kids that haven't quite, um, what do they call it? Failure, little failure to launch yeah. is that the phrase ain't jumped off the porch, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. But, um, not to say, you know, we, we obviously help, you know, you want to help your adult kids, you know, especially if they're, they're struggling, trying to work, go to school, things like that. But I think it's really important that you don't do it for them and that they do struggle a little bit. They have to understand struggle. They have to understand budget. They have to understand needs versus wants, you know, things like that, because you get a lot of adult kids out here now that begin having kids and they're still in that vicious cycle of needing mom and dad way too much. And then it kind of that cycle keeps on continuing. So what I was saying, segue into this conversation, into another situation. But I was having this conversation earlier with somebody about parents who do not force their kids to jump off the porch. And by meaning like you're 28, 29 years old and you're still you got multiple kids and you're partying still and staying at the house still and not really contributing in that fashion. There's just that's. That I think is a, that's a problem. It's a detriment to them so, ultimately too. Like my mom did me one of the biggest favors because I was going to be that guy, right? So I had all the, I had money and was working and had off and on, you know, I, I had my situation was decent, but I was leaving houses, getting evicted, doing all types of stuff at a young age. And so I always had that safety net, right? I could fall back and stay with my mom. So it was like, why not? Right? So the last time though, this was this was the this was the deal breaker. This is what really kicked me off the off the porch and I was probably twenty-three, maybe twenty-two, twenty-three at this so, time. Yeah. And so I we had we had decided we was gonna leave this other house, right? So we left this crib. I'm like, I'm about to just move back with my mom. My mom was like, No, you can't come back here. And it wasn't because of behavioral issues or I was like, She didn't it was love just you. like it wasn't because she didn't love me. It was like, dude, you grown, you got a kid. You need to figure your life out. You can't come back here. So I was just lost. Now, this ain't to say I hadn't came back there multiple times because we did. Me and Erica even went back yeah. and lived with her for a while. And but this last time she she was like, no, you can't you can't come back this time. So resulting from that, we didn't have no place to go. So I went back to we went back to her parents house and we stayed in this little room. It was like an eight by 12 room or something like that. And it was known. It was a temporary situation. And it was a temporary situation. But. What it did for me was I can't live like that. Like, period. Like, I couldn't that live was like that. Time. I was stuck up in the room. I was scared to come out, really. Like, it's, it's awkward. It's a little uncomfortable. Yeah, I didn't feel comfortable, like, well, living comfortable my life, my normal life, and then coming back, living with my girl's parents. So, after that, we ain't been back since. So, we left it from there. It changes perspectives. We left from there at, like, 23, 22, and never been back. So, we've been living on our own now for close to 18 years. Yeah. And we mean, you know, struggle, whatever it is, but guess what? It kind of, it teaches you to figure it out. Right. And so that's another thing. Yeah. Somebody just said, you do have to let them fail. That's a fact. That's how I feel. My mom was going to let me fail right then, but that was going to, he was going to do one or two things. Either I was going to find out where my true guts was at and I was going to have to figure it out or I was just going to be a bum, I guess. But sometimes it can be the best act of love that you can do for somebody. Yeah. Jump know? out there. And let because them what ends up happening, because she talked about that too, more about dysfunction and ideas of repair it starts creating a dysfunctional relationship. If you don't set those boundaries and you keep being taken advantage of, you keep, you know, having that person, you feel resent, you know, there's resent that starts happening between the relationship and you don't want that, you know? So, right. yeah. 
<laughs> so it's getting that time. We're going to bring our guest on to speak on her organization and also more quarantine yes. stuff as far as what we talked about earlier. Yeah, because it's in direct relation to the times right now it changes the structure of what she does, you know, and what her foundation is doing. And that she's done a great job of making that about face and, you know, making those changes to still try to serve the community, even in these times right now, because a lot of what they do is group sessions, group therapy, hands on, you know, they're physical, that's all gone, but she's, you know, still got to keep going. Yeah. So think about that. I never thought about that. Like kids that have to go to like, like go check in with like a psychologist or anything like that. Like all of that's kind of shut down. Mm -hmm. So I see my yeah. psychologist now through Skype. Basically, it's like a it's not Skype exactly, but it's like a, um, a something similar to that where you know I sign in. It's very it's very HIPAA protected and so on. But yeah. for a and, kid, and so real quick, um, because I know Mike read the um mission statement. I'll just read the really it's a very short synopsis of what the firecracker foundation is and so we're bringing on tashmika torak she's the founder of the firecracker foundation which is a 501c3 nonprofit that provides holistic healing services to child survivors of sexual trauma under the age of 18 and their families in the tri-county area of mid michigan so that is our special guest. That's just like one of the things she does because Tashmika is super versatile. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, like, we're talking about the Firecracker Foundation. And, yes, she founded that. That's what she runs. But she does a lot of other things. And we'll yeah, let you, her tell you about that. Lot. We'll let her get it. I'm going to bring her on while I'm doing that. Um, I guess and we'll can... talk to you a little bit how we met yeah. Tashmika. <laughs> so we're bringing her on now. Just hold on. Bear with us for a second. Tosh, you here with us? Yes, I can hear you. You might have to turn your camera Make sure on. Make you turn your camera on. Yeah, there my camera's on. You oh, you can <laughs> so you can see me. I still can't see you, but that's okay. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are y'all? Great, good. great. Can you hear us okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. You I might check the on, on the bottom right, those three little uh dots. You might have to allow incoming video because I had to do that. She, she can see it. You can't see us or you can? I can't, and it actually says that I, if I click it, it's going to turn off my incoming video, so I don't know what's oh. going on. It doesn't matter. I have my phone, so I can turn cool. y'all right. on my phone if I want to. Well, we were just talking you. you up a little and the oh, no. Foundation. Yeah, so we're just telling them all about the foundation and what you do. Tell them, I guess, I guess we'll open the floor for you to tell them about who you are and what you do. What do I do? Well, I am. <laughs> well, right now I work from home. Um, I am the founder and executive director of the Firecracker Foundation. Um, we are an organization that provides holistic healing services to children and families who have experienced sexual violence. Um, and so as a survivor of child sexual abuse and incest myself, I tried to create an organization that uh, would have addressed some of the things that I didn't have when I was a kid, which I feel like y'all relate to because you've been creating your own village. Um, yeah. you know, and so it's, it's one of those things where I did like a formula in my head of like, here are the things that I wish I would have known when I was a kid. How do I get those things for other kids? Nice, and absolutely. essentially the firecracker foundation is kind of the answer to that formula in my head. Absolutely. No, I understand that completely because that's kind of where a lot of what I do now today is based off of things that I could have used when I was a kid. I mean, I guess 
all great things are born out of trauma in some way. I was just you know, going to say way we kind of bring... dysfunction and trauma. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about how we met. Tashmika. <laughs> so the very first time that I met you, though, was we went on the radio show out there at MSU, I think it was. And we That's were talking true. about the impact. Our, we were talking about the situation, but also the impact it was going to have on the kids for the Lansing Catholic situation. And um, why the heck would she FaceTime you? So... <laughs> One thing to kind of tell you guys um, about how we met. Uh, so back when uh, Michael knelt for the national anthem during his football season, um, he obviously was at Lansing Catholic High School. That created a firestorm in itself. Um, Tashmika's son um, actually at that time was going to, Immacul not Immaculate Heart of Mary. Yeah, it was Immaculate it was Heart of Mary. You're right. Okay, mm -hmm. Immaculate Heart of Mary, which is a Catholic school as well. Um, bravely decided to kneel for the Pledge of Allegiance. And so Tashmika can maybe synopsis shorthand of, of how that journey went for you. Um, some of you, you guys kind of know how that journey went for us. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, um, it didn't go well. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> no, so, but I will say, you know, essentially, it did go well, right? Because my my child started kneeling and we chose to support them and we chose um, to question the authority of the Catholic Church. And I feel like although there was a lot of um, pain and discomfort that came from that situation, I'm so, so proud of my child and I'm so proud of the community that we created out of that situation. Absolutely. And um, I don't regret anything. If anything, I feel like there's such a loss of an opportunity um, that the Catholic Church didn't transform itself and, and find a place um, in the anti-racist movement and instead chose to support and uphold white supremacy right. um, in our local area um, and really across the country, because we I know that you and I both reached out to Catholic people and um, leaders across the country. And generally speaking, we didn't get a lot of support for our children. No, yeah. So no, no. We and did that's not. crazy because you're on like two fronts with this, with the Catholics, with the Catholic church, I would think because of the sexual abuses that have been going on. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, um, the Catholic church, um, really churches across the country are really having to have um, some serious and hard conversations about how how is it possible that churches consistently are vulnerable to sexual violence? Yeah. Um, and so it's it's within the Catholic Church, but we know it's Jehovah Witnesses. We know that it's um, you know the Southern Baptist Conference. We know you know there's cults. Um, so spaces of faith that are supposed to be very sacred are actually spaces where children are um, historically and consistently being made vulnerable to lots of different forms of violence. Yeah. So, like, I've just been so impressed with you, to be honest with you. I always tell Erica that, like, because when we started this thing, I shouldn't say started this thing, but when we encountered the, the resistance from Lansing Catholic, we didn't know what to do. And it's like, none no. of us did. None of us, all the parents were just like, what do we do? And then here comes Tashmika with yes. this cape on, and I, I, this cape on <laughs> and her Twitter fingers. And it was like, oh, here we go. Do you remember, you know, the cat on the, on the keyboard? The t -t 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 -t. I like, send that to her way too often you know, because that's like, what I picture in my head. Grace, like, well, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. And it was like, you know, it was just kind of a, a, we all needed like some form of leadership in that situation. And it was an awful it, experience that we were going through. Yeah. And we were dealing with it like heavily. And so like to come in kind of like a third person that was kind of at the time you were kind of away from the situation at that time. It wasn't as directed at you. 
and to be such a powerful help that you were like it was just amazing and i appreciate every aspect yes. of that and that's like when we were at that that interview out there at msu i wasn't sure about you at the time and i was like is this girl is this lady just trying to like i'm, get a I'm over here like, like she time, is the truth think, like we had so many people that were wanting <laughs> See, to be a part Erica of this was up. <laughs> yeah so i i was like <laughs> i was like you know truth. i don't know about her i'm, I'm just telling you the honesty and when well, we went to like that I interview said, i was, was like i don't really know you know and so after that interview i called erica me i was like yo she is the truth like, like dead serious she is the truth because like, you have to think up to that point we really we could trust no one I mean, we people people turned our backs on us, people that were so we thought, you know, we were part of kind of a community with. And like I said, it was an awful experience. It was really bad. And so it was kind of like you're side eyeing everybody like, why are you here? What do you want? You know, and with you, it was kind of like, oh, she's got our back. I remember I think I said this. I'm like, I'm just glad she's on our side. Yes, that's a fact. <laughs> I just but, you know, I think that that was what was really interesting about how we met is that you know that I'm a big, like, I probably say the word community and relationship more than any word. Well, except for the F word, probably. But like, <laughs> but like, you know how much I value community and relationships. So I don't even like the fact that you didn't trust me is like, whatever, because the whole thing is we didn't build community yet. Yeah. We didn't have a relationship yet. So there's Thanks. really no reason why you should trust me out of nowhere yeah. Um, just because we happen to be in the same movement space, that doesn't always mean anything. You know, Absolutely. we were all in the same faith space and it didn't mean anything. We, we had people that helped us raise our children that we don't, we can't even speak to anymore. Yeah. Um, and we thought that we could trust them. So that's like that there is no movement if there is no trust and there is no trust if there is no relationship. And Absolutely. so we built one. I though. Totally get that. Yeah, we, we did. love y'all. We love the Turox. Paul, yes. too. Like, Paul, Paul always too. check up on me every once in a while to see yeah. how I'm doing. He tried to get with me a couple of times over the summer to grab a beer. So we're going to have to definitely get that cracking. Yes. Yeah. Well, we know, you know, you can always count on us for that. Absolutely. <laughs> so we brought you on the show today for that too, to talk about some of that, but also, we wanted to talk about something that a lot of people don't really know or haven't really thought about when we're talking about all the dangers out here for people. And that's basically yeah. the 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 shelter in place person who may be being abused, whether or not it's a grown person or a kid. What what do you have to say on that? Or how how is your foundation uh, working towards helping those people? Right or what now. can anybody else do to identify and help? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because as soon as this um, shelter in place happened, just on a personal level, before I even talk about the organization, you know, as a kid who grew up in a home where my father was my perpetrator, um, I had this moment where I was like, if this would have happened to me, this would have been my complete and utter nightmare. Like, there's no other way to describe it. This would have been my worst case scenario, even staying homesick, like I would just pretend like I was fine, or I would try to work it so my mom would stay with me. Um, and so like, just the idea that home is not always a safe space is not something that a lot of people reckon with, if you've never had that experience, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. And so just on a personal level, and then when I started to check in with other friends of mine who are, um, that across the country are survivors who are doing work around child sexual abuse, they're all kind of feeling the same thing. They're all thinking about like, yeah, if this would have happened, this would have been my nightmare. And, and you are trapped and you don't have your teachers to check in with you. You don't have your after school programs to spend time at to keep you safe. Those are all the things that even though we tend to think of like, yeah, an education is great to get because you need it. 
Um, and being a part of sports is really important um, for lots of developmental reasons. Lots of kids use extracurricular activities to not be at home. Yeah. Um, and you see, I mean, as grow, as parents, you know, we joke about how we send our kids, to, we go to work to get away from our kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, in this scenario, the opposite is true, right? Our kids, even, you know, even kids who have a healthy home, they don't want to be around their parents all the time either. Right. But like, imagine if you are going home to a space where there is violence, um, whether you're experiencing that violence or that violence is happening to someone else in your home, like you're going to school to survive, to like find a safe space. And to know that other people are looking out for you. Um, So I think as far as what our organization is doing right now, first of all, we are already working with kids who've experienced sexual violence. So the first thing we wanted to do is like make sure that everybody who is in our life raft is like getting their services. No one is getting left behind. We're checking in with everyone. We're making sure that we, we know if they need basic needs. Like we want to make sure that we're taking care of all those things first, including like how is our staff doing and things like that. Mm-hmm. But w- after we were able to take a breath, it became like, OK, so how our community has been training for this, like our firecracker community. We've been t- talking about children not being safe in their home forever. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's the lived experience mm-hmm. of children who've experienced violence. So it really has become like, okay, y'all, now's your time. Like now is your time to be checking in with the kids that are in your life and that are in your neighborhood. This is not a drill. Um, This is like a really dangerous time for them. So if you are already in relationship with children, whether it's your kids, somebody else's kids that you already know and love, now is the time to be checking in on them. If you don't know them and they just happen to be in your neighborhood, now is the time to build that relationship. Because we don't have there. First of all, the average age of someone disclosing sexual violence is actually well into middle age. So we all need to know that, too. Mm. So like the idea that we are going to know before is really um, kind of it's dependent on a lot of factors. Right. Like the kid, the child who's being abused needs to feel safe enough to to come forward. And that doesn't often happen before they're older. Um, We need adults to to see it, which perpetrators are that's the whole reason it keeps happening right like it doesn't get seen and so it's in this moment it's more about safety planning and harm reduction than it is about being able to know that something is happening we need to build the kind of relationships where people who are being harmed feel safe enough to tell us that they're being harmed and if we can't get that information that we need to be practicing harm reduction which means we need to make sure that people have resilience factors. And one of the things that builds resilience is knowing that someone outside of your family loves you enough to check in on you. Right. Absolutely. Question for you. So I know you said that it's not our, our job to like look and seek out this, but is it possible? Is there signs that we could look for? Is there things that's what I was going to ask? You know, if you have a neighborhood kid that, you know, you might suspect something is going on. Is there things that you can look for? So I think that there's always a way to there. There's never going to be a time where I'm going to say, don't be, you know, don't be aware of, of things that don't feel right. Or that, you know, if you think something is happening, but I want to challenge people um, to not necessarily be looking for signs as much as creating a safe environment for children to tell you, because the difficult thing about having, um, Uh, Looking for signs is like, for example, a really great way to explain this is I was a very talented, 
very, um, I got good grades. I was a high achieving student. Now, most people will tell you that if a child is underachieving, then that might be a sign for abuse, right? right? If they're inattentive in school, if they show up looking disheveled, if there's like all of these signs, but I didn't have any of those signs because my way of showing that I had value and that I was okay was by overachieving. And so I love to tell that story because I'm like, people think that like they have this picture in their mind of what a kid who is harmed acts like. Right. And it's just so there could be so many other things that are going on too. Like trauma is trauma is trauma, right? So like if you are witnessing trauma in a kid, it can manifest whether that's a car accident or a parent who was lost or, you know, having a, a parent or a family member who's incarcerated. Like these are all traumas. Mm-hmm. So it's harder to kind of see signs specifically than it is to build healthy relationships with kids, because I think signs become more visible if you are in a good relationship with them. And then you can see how they're showing up day to day. How things right? change. Yes. Yeah. If you see changed behavior or something. Yes. That That's seems why or teachers. That's why teachers are so important, right? Yes. Because teachers see the kids every day. They know the dynamics within relationships very often. They yeah. can they can see the ways that, you know, their clothing is changing from day to day. You know, if we're looking for neglect or physical abuse, like they see how they look right. um, on a regular basis. And so are there signs? Sure, there are definitely signs. And you can, you know, you can go to the websites and see how, you know, sexual violence can show up in signs. But I really think that the thing that we are missing most often than not is that we still have not figured out a way to build relationships where kids can feel safe to say what is happening in their lives because we still live in a space where we blame people for being harmed. And so kids see that and especially teens, they know like they're not dumb. Mm. They've been a part, you know, they see social media they know how their families talk across the table about people who have been harmed. Absolutely. And they know that that is how they are going to talk about them if they come forward and say that some kid at school hurt them or someone in their family hurt them. Right. And it's so, embarrassing probably for them to think. Well, they think it is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And they think it's something they're going to be, like you said, talked down on upon. It's like mental health. Nobody Absolutely. wants to talk about it. So something like, I'd, I'd rather deal with it. What would you say are some tangible things that people can do to create those trust filled relationships and those safe environments and that safe relationship, just that the most common person could do. How, how can you do that? So right now there, there's a couple things. So right now you already have people in your family, kids in your family who you're already connected to potentially. Right. And so that is the most natural place to start. So when I'm thinking about the kids that my friends have, Um, or that my family has, like my niece, I go right to Instagram and I send her a direct message. I'm like, Hey, how you doing? I send her funny links or I send her, um, you know, like, Hey, this is the book that I'm reading right now. Have you read this book? It's really good. Like just stuff that you would do with any friend. Right. And the important, just touch and base. base. The important thing is that it is a safe and healthy check-in, right? Like, I feel like I have to say that because people are out here doing the worst, not the most, but you know, we know that we know that cyber abuse happens. So it needs to be a safe and healthy check-in, just making sure that they know that you're there, that you're available and being vulnerable with them. Right? Like we are, there's a space, like adults are super vulnerable on Facebook because Facebook is for old people. If you didn't know that, Um, (laughs) like we talk about our stuff and we say when we're having challenges and all these things, you know, 
tell the tell teens like this is a really scary time for you. You know, I'm scared. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable right now. I don't like what's happening. I don't like that I can't go to my job and see my friends. I don't like that I don't know what's going to happen in a week or a month. That right. feels really scary to me. How are you feeling right now? Man. Do you feel safe? Do right. you feel like you have what you need? Are you, you know, like sometimes it's harder to um harder to ask for help than it is to just accept it when it's offered. So like if you say to a teen like, Hey, I just went to the grocery store and I picked up these things. How would you like it if I dropped it off? Right? Like there's lots of things that we, I think we don't think about children as just tiny humans that just really want a friend too. Um, and we can, we can really provide those things, um, for those in our family. Now there are kids that we, that you don't know. And one of the things that I have been thinking, thinking about um, with some of my other friends who are survivors is that when I was little uh, and harm was actively happening, what it would have been like to have someone knock on the door, Mm. like what it would have been like to just have a neighbor stop over and see me and check in on me. Mm. Um, And so right now, as we're doing this shelter in place thing, I've been talking to a lot of my friends about what does it mean to know that like your neighbor is going to stop by with heavily sanitized items. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it going to be? What would it feel like to know that um, for even parents and caregivers who are really stressed out right now, that there's someone down the street that is just checking in like, yeah. Hey, I am not like, I am not high risk. Um, I have access to resources. Right. I know where to get them. If you need something or you need someone to talk to here is my cell phone number. Like right, yeah. if there is an emergency, uh, yeah. you can just run down the street, knock on my door. I can be accessible to you in these very specific ways. Right. Um, and so one of the things that I always think about too, with like um, neglect and physical abuse is like people don't know who their neighbors are and they're not paying attention to who lives in homes and who is most vulnerable. And right now we are thinking about the elderly. We are thinking about people, um, people who are otherwise marginalized. So people with disabilities, we're thinking about children who are at risk. And so if there is ever a time to like know who is living on your block around you, now is the time. Absolutely. Like now is the time to check in on your people um, and make sure that someone across the street from you is, is not going without and that they're not being harmed because elder abuse is also a thing, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. so the one thing I will say is I don't want anybody to be like knock on the door and being like, Hey, y'all abused up in here. Right. <laughs> Where's the abuse? <laughs> yeah. That's that not at all. What, no go. <laughs> that is not at all what I'm saying. First of all, <laughs> second of all, that is actually one of the things that is really important to know is that you will actually cause abuse by doing mm. that. So Did like, you tell somebody someone, that? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, so the person who's doing harm is going to be like, oh, you told somebody. And so now everybody is in trouble and everybody's going to get hurt because you said something. So like the important thing is not check. We are not investigators. You are not the police. You are not DHS. You are a member of the community who is just checking in to provide support and to build healthy relationships so that if people need help, they know that you are resourced. Um, that is all. So don't listen. You are not GI Joe. So what yeah. you're saying is don't approach it phone in hand like a Karen. Don't. 
no, don't Karen. do that. Okay. Karen needs to take several seats. This is not the time. <laughs> and so, you have to remember that, like some of these people, if if you are like many many people living just in this country, many people don't talk to their neighbors like this. Like mm-hmm. they just haven't built these relationships. You may have relationships with people around the town, but when you're sheltering in place, you need a relationship with your neighbor. You don't need, like, you can't get to so-and-so in Okemos right now without having to get in your car and go there. Right. Like, we need to be checking in on people and building relationship with the people around us right now. Great, Absolutely. great so, advice. question for you. I, we had spoken earlier and we had talked about the kids that are still on the neighborhood blocks, right? The ones that, for some, for some people's <laughs> perception, may not be socially distancing. We've seen we've seen some today. Yeah, we've seen kids court. out running yeah. around playing, so on and so yeah, forth. So, what themselves. do you? How do you feel about that? And and do you have anything that I don't know? You would say to the people who are the naggers that why are yeah, they out? They're on the annoyed block? by it, or they want to get them in trouble. Yes, I would say first of all, stop right. it. Mind um, second, <laughs> well, here's the thing: knowing all that we just talked about, we know that not every home is a safe place. Right. And we know that not every home is even going to have basic needs right now. People are struggling to feed their families. That means that there are adults who are stressed out and that there may be stuff happening at their homes that is not good for them. And I don't want kids out hanging out in large groups either. Like, I don't want people to get sick either. But I will tell you right now that if if the choice is between that kid being hurt in their home and that kid playing basketball at the park right now, then I'm going to have to go with so the park. Good. Yeah, I agree. I'm yeah. going to have to go with the park. And if you are really concerned, then then maybe this would be another opportunity to sit with yourself and think about who have I, what, wh- which teen in my neighborhood have I reached out to to make sure that they're okay? Absolutely. Like, and if you feel comfortable, instead of posting in your neighborhood group about these terrible teens, maybe go over and give them some hand sanitizer and give them masks and ask them why they're not at home. And do they understand the risk? Mm-hmm. Like it's a we cannot. This is just another scenario in the world where we cannot improve the situation without building relationships. It takes a village. If, it takes a village. And if you're not willing to be invested in youth and actually care about them more than you're willing to talk shit about them, then you're just a part of the problem. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. So I appreciate all of that. That's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's like nobody ever thinks about those different perspectives. And that's why it's always good to get other ideals out here is that because I would have never thought about any of that. You know, like I'm one of those people who thought about the old people. I have like this this thing about older people and seeing like a frail man going through Kroger's and can't find toilet paper just reeks on my heart. I can't take it. But that what you just talked about is another one like I couldn't imagine. And that's one thing like when I was raising my 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 kids, I never wanted to be like this parent that I knew growing up. that was like a demon, you know, and he mm-hmm. was like always pounding on them. They could never go. Every there's beautiful outside. Can you come outside? No. Why not? Well, my dad's mad today. And it's like I never wanted to be that parent. So, again, that's just at a small level. But that kid may have been being abused as well. And I don't know that, you know, so like. That just touched something in me that I would have never thought about. And this is why different perspectives are so important. Absolutely. And something I see that, you know, your family practices itself, you know, with your kids is I see a lot of kids at your house. You know, your kids have (laughs) friends. They come over um, and just something I think, especially in our communities, 
we all know um, a lot of us go through dysfunction and trauma and you know people and, and families and families, you know, love to hide things. And, you mm -hmm. know, so it's one of those situations where growing up, you know, with or my kids growing up, I always wanted to be that house that any kid could come to mm -hmm. and get fed and be safe and wash mm -hmm. their clothes. And, you know, we mm -hmm. spent a number of years being that home for a lot of, you know, young men that, that were our son's friends. Um, and that was something that I felt like was a small thing that I could do. And I think maybe, you know, people maybe feel annoyed with having kids at their house. It's not fun. It stinks. Sometimes <laughs> they eat a lot. They but you, you, and they do think I've it. done the like, all right, everybody socks off. You got to wash socks, put new socks on, you know, mm -hmm. but if their home environment is unsafe, there's violence, there's abuse, whatever the case may be, I would rather have them at my house, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something else like what you're saying, like check on your people, be that house. That's something small that, you know, if, if you've got the means. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that like when. Yeah, my house was definitely the house that, I, I mean, see. there was a day when I was like sitting on the couch and a kid just, well, no, I wasn't. I was coming downstairs and I walked into my living room and in between my kids was just another kid. <laughs> <laughs> Where's this guy from? <laughs> it's like those nests where a bird just drops off an egg, you know, that's uh -huh. not the egg that's supposed to be in the nest. And I was like, what is going on? We don't even ask anymore. Um, so we had to have a conversation about that, but, but <laughs> I, I think that, um, there's a, there is this thing uh, that we do to parents in this country where we believe that if, because we believe, um, poverty, um, is a flaw in someone's character. It is, we don't often, um, think about poverty as, a problem of the way that our country is created, right? Like, and we're really experiencing that right now. Like we had, we were struggling with the idea of pulling people from school because we don't give people a living wage so they can feed their kids unless they send them to school. Yeah. We don't have universal health care. So kids can't go to the doctor, right? right? Like we don't even know. I keep saying to people like, everyone's like, well, it, it's only the immunocompromised. I'm like, Americans don't know if they're immunocompromised. That's a fact. That ain't that the care. truth. That's a fact. They can't go to the doctor. They haven't been yeah. to the doctor in four years. Yeah. How the hell do they know if they're immunocompromised? You know, and so we, we don't give people child care. We don't give people safe, reliable child care so that they can go to work. And so when I look at kids in my community who do not have the basic needs that they, the, the, well, their basic needs, right? Things that they need to survive. I'm not looking at their parents as like the mean and evil, horrible people that are only like, how are these kids out here eating Cheetos every day instead of eating a healthy, well, because we live in America, okay? Right. And we don't give a shit about kids. And so if we as community members can step in and just offer, like you said, Erica, like, come on over, I have extra. And then that helps me build relationships with their parents. So then again, I know, right? Like I know that mom, I know that dad, I know where they live. I know how they looked yesterday. I know how they look today. And if they need me, they know where I'm at. Yeah. And so for yeah. me, when this happened, it wasn't like I didn't know where the kids were in my neighborhood. I could text them, you were right? Prepared, I could, yeah. I could I, not the kids, but I could text, you know, I could text so-and-so's dad and so-and-so's mom that we have their Fortnite handle. So my kids are playing Fortnite with them. You know, like I already, we already had kind of a situation in place where we were already interconnected. 
and they already knew, right? right. Like they already know. Um, and sometimes I wish they didn't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because yeah. we get those, like we get the knock on the door when somebody's plumbing doesn't work or we yeah. get the knock on the door when something is needed. But that is, you know, that is what keeps people safe is that instead of calling the police or calling DHS when we don't know what's going on, we can literally just build a relationship with them. Like it is really that simple. And that way when harm does happen and we do have to inform the authorities, it's not because we don't know. It's because we've been there. We actually do know. And we know when the risk is too high to be like, oh, it's fine. No, it's not fine. I actually know it's not fine. And at this point, I know it's okay for me to call in the authorities. So I want to say, if anybody that's listening to this has any questions they want to put in the comments, put them in there so I can add them in. I want Tosh to be able to answer any questions you guys may have. Um, Nicole Buchanan, Dr. Buchanan says, I was hoping Tosh Mika would come on the show. So she's here. So bring questions (laughs) if you guys have any about this. Hi, Nicole. I do want to, I do want to ask you though, like, how's my guy Paul doing? (laughs) I'm, you know, if this were a little bit earlier, um, in the evening, you would see behind me that he has set up a tent in the backyard. Um, and it's very, it's very glamped out. They have an air mattress. There is a TV in there so they can watch a movie. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So they're just, they're having a good old time out there. Make sure you tell them I said, Hey, and we're going to get that beer. Um, so what have you guys been doing to to get through? Cause you, I know you do a whole lot of taking care of other people, right? So what have you been doing? You and Paul been doing to take care of you guys. What have you guys been doing? Um, Really, the best thing, <laughs> the best thing that's happened is the shelter in place that meant my husband had to come home and take care of me. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, um, it's hard. We have, you know, three children. They're all here. And to try to work full time and then also take care of them, it, you know, especially when we didn't know what was happening with the school mm-hmm. um, was like, oh, how am I going to do all this? And so it's been really nice having Paul here to kind of manage some of the day to day stuff. Um, so that I can do my work. Um, and and fortunately and unfortunately, he can't set tile from home. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's difficult. So, so in some ways, it's been really, really lovely that um, he can be home with me. So we have some sense of balance and, you know, keeping the chores going and the food and t- trying to just, <laughs> you know, right on. manage all of the day-to-day stuff while trying to do the work that I have to do. So, yeah. um. What TV shows are y'all watching, if any? Oh, my gosh. What are we not watching right now? We actually just started watching Lock and Key. I don't know if you've seen that on Netflix. Somebody else has somebody something somebody about, that something about that. I haven't, I haven't started yet. Yeah. We just finished it. It was like, um, it's about a kid or a family that moves into this magic house with these magic keys that do these really cool things. We watched that in like two days. So that's, that's over with now. Um, <laughs> that's about how Binging. it goes. That's it how is. It goes. It's like you go into it and if it's well, good, you're just invested. Yeah. I, I mean, I was done with it, but I feel like the other thing is we can't, we have a very split age group house. So it's really hard. Like I'm watching American horror story with my older two and then I'm watching like Gumball, <laughs> Levi, and like we're just like watching all of these <laughs> different nice. things, trying to keep up um, with all the different people or all, yeah, all the different people in our house and what their interests are. So, nice. yeah, I well, mean, I'm... we're just trying to keep it together, right keep on. it light and bright. That's what I keep telling people at the Firecracker Foundation. Our goal is to keep it light and bright 
so that everyone is not feeling super stressed and trying to maintain a high expectation of productivity. Like we are enduring a global crisis. Mm -hmm. If you get dressed today and you eat three foods, I'm not even saying like three meals. Like mm -hmm. if you eat three different you, foods, three, <laughs> if, you, if you put foods in your body, that's Fantastic. You're doing all right. right. If you drink water, like that's great. If you are sleeping during all of this anxiety and stress, like that's also awesome. Um, and then anything above and beyond your basic needs is like, that's amazing. Gold star. You're yeah, doing great. Perfect. Well, I'm so happy you came on and we definitely will be having you back on as well as Paul to talk on the other issues at hand with yes. the old uh, LCHS. And, and we'll, well, I'll put a link um, on the YouTube video to be available tomorrow. Um, LCH4 and more is a Facebook page. If you want some background a little bit to kind of know what we're talking about, when we talk about how we met and all of that. You can go to that Facebook page. There's a lot of information on there um, from that. So, yeah. So I appreciate Juan, I will um, definitely be posting some templates um, online over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we have come up with like this um, light and bright bingo for people that essentially is like if you like the squares are basic needs and then moves up from there to yeah. like more challenging things for families to follow rather than like a strict schedule. Um, and we'll also be posting some templates on um, how to write a note to your neighbor to check in with them and things like that. So and that'll hopefully. be on your guys's Facebook page or yeah, the, okay. it'll be so visit or, Firecracker Foundation on Facebook for those resources. Yes. Perfect. Yes. All right, Tasha. Well, we love you. you both. Thank Absolutely. you. We love you. We'll we talk you. to you. Not about you. <laughs> or both. <That's> yeah. fine. <laughs> All right, lady. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, bye. Alive. All yeah, right, y'all. That was so. That, that was, was touch awesome. Yes, that's, Tosh. That was great. that's our homie right there. Great conversation. So I hope all y'all enjoyed that and got some more information. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, she talked about a lot of stuff um, that is very important. I mean, I hear stuff like I said, stuff I would have never thought about. You know, like things that would have never came to my mind. I'm glad that she we were able to have her on to bring light to some of those issues that may have been or that yeah. could and, be as of right now. And I thought it was so important because there was a lot of conversation surrounding. Um, and, and my sister had said too, like that a lot of people were thinking about kids. A lot of people were, I saw it on Facebook and, you know, but the really main focus was like their needs and those tangible needs. But you know, what else? There's always that, you know, layer of, it's not just a meal. It's not just going to the school parking lot and getting snacks and food for the day. You know, there's also other needs that you might have to try to find out if what is it that they need? What is it that's, you know, not going right at home? What can we do? And, and Tashmika was the perfect person to talk about those things. It just kind of make you aware. Awareness is so important because if you'd never thought about it, now you're thinking about it. Now maybe you feel a little bit of sense of responsibility to check on your people. Yo, awareness is like the thing that makes me be able to tell Mikey, like, I'm grown and you not because I have that awareness now. I've been through things that he hasn't. I've seen things that, that they haven't. So, you know, when you're when you're aware of something, you'll you'll realize how much you see it. Like I used to do cable and this this is kind of way off topic, but it kind of brings it into perspective. I used to do cable and I'd be up on poles and there were certain poles that we didn't mind climbing. And we looked at it and it was like, oh, that's going to be an easy one. There's no trees in the way. So I would realize now that I'm aware of that situation that when I went to other cities or Wherever I was at, I was looking at poles. Now I was aware of it. So if you become aware 
of child abuse and in this type of way, you'll be seeing it more often than not. I, mean, I shouldn't and, say more often than not. You'll be seeing it more often than you wouldn't see it if well, it was in front of your face. A big thing is, you know, sometimes the the lack of awareness is the easiest thing to do. Just not being aware. That's that the lack of awareness is the easiest thing to do. And sometimes if you're really honest with yourself, it's not necessarily that it was a complete lack of awareness. Listen to your intuition. If something doesn't feel right, look right, seem right, sound like, you know, sound right, then act on it. If you trust your intuition, if you know a kid, if you see them, you have a relationship with them, just understand and know that they may not, they're not going to have that conversation with you. So it might be you having to have a different conversation in a roundabout way or just being there to be trusted enough. So it was really important for her to come on and kind of tell you what are some of the tangible things? Cause it doesn't usually, it's not what you think it is. It's not going to be a disheveled kid that's withdrawn and you know, it's not always going to be, it might be the little sunlight for, you know, from down the street, who's a joy to have at your house or whatever the case may be build good relationships so that they trust you. So yeah. I think that's important. One of the ways that we do that at the village is just like, so when we created the village, we we wanted to do like fellowship barbecues. And this is what we did where we're not digging them, you know, like, hey, what's going on in your life? It's more or less just being there. Like what I realized, and I knew that this was going to be a calling of mine, like from early on with Mikey was like, I had coaches, I had people always telling me, oh, you're only involved with him because he's your son. That's the only reason why you care about the kids. And that wasn't true at all. What it was, was I seen, so like, well, we talked about like having kids at your house because you have a kid. Well, so when I was going through that process of my, I mean, every kid was at my house. Like I mean, we had, we, I mean, we we're, I was the coach of a football team. So we got football teams at the house. I mean, tens of twenties of kids at the house all the time. And so what I, what I did was, I mean, I fell in love with these kids. It was like, wow, you know, you start to hear their different stories and learn their different stories and so on and so forth. And so like throughout that process, I always knew that when Mikey was to go off to college and be grown or whatever, the case, I wasn't going to stop that process. I wasn't going to not care anymore. or I wasn't going to want to know these kids, understand, you know, know these kids lives or know what's going on with them. So like with the village, we was like one way that I, I found to really connect with these kids was just to be there. Like I would just be in the room. The kids would be playing or whatever. And I could just be in the room and they always would come up to me and talk to me about what they were going through or, or have questions for me or or so on and so forth. Like I, I used to hear like, even though Mikey loves me to death and I love him to death, he would always, you know, like, dad, you're way too involved. You're this, that, the other. But it's like, I used to tell him like, man, you know how many kids be like, they tell me like, man, I wish you were my dad or I wish that I could be here all the time. And it's like, you know, you don't, you don't always miss what you have until it's gone. But um, at the same time, that made me understand that I was making an impact with these kids. Like these kids, when I came around, wouldn't do certain things that they might do in another environment. So I was like, with the village, I was like, man, if we could just start off by being there. So we started doing the fellowships where we would just go out to the park with barbecue, hot dogs, chips. And, and, and so it's on really so important forth. to know we're, we're not talking going out there to like talk at them and, and try to find out what's going on, what they're doing and like preach at them. It's literally fellowship, just starting conversations. Well, that's where, what I was know, getting at, yeah. just being there. We didn't yeah. go out there. It was almost like we we're just here. Hey, if you guys want to come on, come on they will approach you like kids are enamored by adults like especially if you're a cool adult like myself you know <laughs> but like they're enamored by that they like to see what like what's going on with this guy you know he's got some jordans on or whatever the case is or yeah. that's coach mike they'll come up to you and talk to you and like when they do that just be ready talk with them on their level you know try well, to you're not talking down on them no. you know you're not judging them you're That's not you know questioning them and... way too much of is this generation i was guilty of that too in the beginning like with their new rap and little uzi verts and but i like little uzi vert now though like lose like mikey did turn me on to this stuff like so like 
You didn't realize, like, as you let them talk at you for a minute, like, I've been, sometimes I'd be blown away by how intelligent and, like, how how much they really do know, especially these kids these days. It's like, wow, man, they know a whole lot. They, yeah. I mean, they're they're fully understanding of what's going on they're in the smart, world. They're intelligent. They have experiences. And a lot of these kids that we're talking about, you know, they still keep in contact with Coach Mike to this day, you know, through his inbox or if we see them. Um, I think it was our first or second show. I saw JoJo on there, like, "Hey, yeah, mom Jojo. and dad." You know, he called us. He he, he called me, mom. CJ calls, came on. Yep. See, they, these are all kids that we've known since they were really small, and now they're like adults now. They're young men. And I see them all the time, and when I see them, it's all love. Come give me a hug. Coach Lynn was mm-hmm. happening. Coach Mike. You know, it feels good. You know, it feels good yes. to know that you've been a positive role model in somebody's life, whatever that case is. And then these kids still follow me today. And they're on my Facebook and my Instagram, and I still try to give them something to look at that's outside of the norm. I think that's one of the things, like, for me as a youngster, I was very fortunate to have my dad in my life. So I didn't have to reach out of my household to find somebody to give me a good example. But one thing my dad did do a lot of was give me that good example and show me things that are outside of my norm. Like, growing up, I I can remember very vividly being a young man and, like, Friday would come around and I knew that Friday I was getting to go to a race in Tennessee and me and my dad were going to jump in the car. We we're going to strap the bikes on. And I was going to go have this great, beautiful weekend. And I can remember sitting in class like in third grade, second grade, like looking around and feeling very fortunate and gra- gra- grateful that I got to go and all these kids around me didn't. And it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, I'm better than you. It was more or less like I felt bad. Like, wow, I actually have this to go do. And so like, I always look at it like, and Turning Point of Lansing is one that's good for that. They get kids out of the neighborhoods and take them places they've never seen before. I, I remember growing up, like as I got older, I started to drift off from the house and I would be in little neighborhoods that weren't always the best or we move into a neighborhood that wasn't always the best. And I can remember seeing people in them neighborhoods that never left the block. Like they had a grocery store on the corner. You know, Corey's had everything they needed. The corner store, you know, they could take their stamps there or whatever the case is. And I remember seeing these kids that never left between Cedar Street in Pennsylvania on Baker Street or whatever the case was, wherever we were at at the time. And it was like, I just remember thinking like, wow, you know, like, so then when we talk about like formations of organizations and things being born out of things that you've seen, that's what I want. Like, that's what I want for these kids to be able to see is a future. Like a lot of kids don't ever know that some of these other things are available or getting off their block is something that's, you know, or seeing a palm that's tree tangible, in real life. Or yeah. it, and not just the, it, that's huge, but just people. There are other people outside of who they're around and with every single day. And Tashmika touched on that. That's so important when she's talking about creating the community and creating trust, you know, filled relationships and stuff like that. Kids need to know that it's not just their household and they're stuck. You know, they're just stuck in that situation. They're stuck around these people. They're stuck in that neighborhood or whatever the case may be. And if you can, you know, have some relationships with kids where they get to see something different, you're different, your family might be different, what you guys do, it does a lot for development and, and just not feeling like I will. this is what it's always going to be for me. Because feeling like that as a child is extremely scary, I think. And I think there's a lot of kids and I've talked to I've talked to young kids and it's amazing when they trust you and they love you, you know, what they'll talk to you about, what types of conversations that they'll have and they'll start with you. It's sometimes surprising and you'll realize through talking with them, you kind of get the idea that they don't have anybody else like that in their life. You might be it. And and it's so important. 
So like growing up, if any kid was going to get abused, it would have been me because I was in every grown person's house on my block. <laughs> but it was like, it was obviously for me, it was a different, I guess it was probably a different time then, but I knew every person on my block, like every, every adult on my block. I got friends to this day who father, matter of fact, I'll, uh, Dunkles, they were, they lived across the street on the corner and his dad was in the military. I can remember that. And he would come over like every other weekend to be with his dad or whatever. And we were best of friends, Dustin, and we were best of friends. And, um, and I, I would even go when he wasn't there and just talk to his dad and his dad would tell me like stories and so on and so forth. Then across the street, I had this older couple. They were probably in their mid seventies at the time. And he was like a world war two vet. And he would talk to me about all this stuff. And like he would, his, his wife would make me sandwiches and so on. So I've seen what this village can look like. This is what I'm telling you this. I've seen what it can look like. I've seen, I grew up in that environment. So I grew up on Hillcrest, right by Mike Nine, in between Marion and Martin Luther King. And everything was around that area. We had everything you could possibly want. And we did, um, I mean, everywhere from the dry cleaning lady on the corner who we used to go get food for before school to, like I just said before, the old man that lived across the street that would invite me in for cookies and stuff. And we'd sit and I'd sit and have hour long conversations with him. And it's like, I've seen what this looks like. I've seen how far we've gotten away from it too. Yeah. And so that's like when I, when I talk about the village and it takes, it takes a village, you know, that's just basically word gap to get somebody involved, but really it's a mindset. Like, are you willing to open your house to that? Are you willing to say my door is open? Like Tashmika said, if you have an issue, whatever the case may be, your plumbing's out. Are you willing to open your door for that? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to help in, in a crisis in time of need or some Asian person is being spit on in the corner? Are you willing to help with that? If you are, then you're a part of the village, regardless yeah, if you're you like, a member yeah. of it, if you're a donator or if you're a person that's putting things together, you're a part of this village. Absolutely. So that's why I be trying to tell people it's not about the village is not about an organization so much as it is a mindset. Absolutely. If you're willing to. When I was a kid, they had eyes and ears. If anybody remembers that eyes and ears was all over like the mailbox or the mailman's car had it, border, water and light. And I can remember and I still remember this day, I'm 38 years old, and I still remember eyes and ears because it was like I knew that if I was ever in trouble or somebody tried to take me, I could always go to an eyes and ears home or an eyes and ears car. And we have nothing like that anymore. No. And so that's something I've been trying to build towards. Like you see these stickers, the Village Lansing stickers. How far we are from this, I don't know. But that's something I would love to have is a safe haven for kids that they know. I don't even have to know this person, but I know this person is is, is ready yeah. to help me. And I think even right now with what we're trying to build in the just in its infancy with the village Lansing is if you know somebody is a part of the village, then you know that that person is trustworthy. And for whatever that means, you know, because trust means something different for everyone and needs are different for everyone. And so like we we say that a lot. It's not just an organization. It's a mindset. That means what you know, whatever you can do you can give, you can help with, there's always going to be someone out there that has that type of need. So it's like, you see that sticker, it's like, you know, the eyes and ears, it's such a great example. But if you know somebody's a part of a village, then that means if you have an issue, if you have a fear, you're scared, you need a resource, you need something, you need help, you know, you can come to that person. I think we've, like you said, that gap is just getting bigger. It's getting wider, wider, wider with people actually being able to do that. Like you think about neighborhoods and I wish we would have touched on that with Tashmiko. Um, you know, it takes a village and knowing your neighbors and things like that. We're so far from that, that we now have these like neighborhood groups, you know, and if you've ever seen them on Facebook, it's not everybody, but 
you see some pretty sketchy stuff where really what they're doing, they're not being very neighborly. They're not being very, we have each other's back where we're going to go check on you. It's like, I'm watching everybody and that kid doesn't belong here. And that group of kids look suspicious and all these. And it's like, how is that conducive to, you know, forming community relationships and being there for one another? I, I always think that. And I've had to jump out of a few because I'm like, mm -mm. I don't want to be on Facebook arguing with anybody, but that's not how you make kids feel safe by calling the police on them, no. by yelling at them or, you know, hassling them because they're walking in groups or whatever the case may be. You have no idea what could be going on in a child's home. Just be kind, be patient or just mind your own business if you can't be either of those, you know? Yeah. So like that's the thing, like the neighborly aspect of our world has gone so far away. And I'm hoping that this quarantine washes it away like a Florida rain, to be honest with you. Cause like you walk outside now and and if somebody does get too friendly, even, even me, it's like, wh why are they being like that? It's a little weird. Like, I don't know you. That's not yeah, right. And I'm, I check, right. but I check myself when I do that. And I, so like, even today when we took our ride, I was like, you know, every person I seen, I wanted to say hi to, hi, how are you? Or, What's going on, depending on who it was, if it was a brother, it was good, you know, if it was somebody else, hey, how are you? We know what well, we did that. <laughs> but anyways, um, really so I just wanted to make sure that I spoke to people because I think it's important, you know, like you just never know what impact somebody can have on your life. And I'm telling you, and I try to tell people this all the time, it's crazy how you meet people sometimes. Like all the people that I know in this city that are in positions to be able to help somebody or they're in a position to be able to you know, do something with a resource or whatever the case is. It's just because I said something to him, like I spoke to him and then we created a relationship out of that. Yeah. But you never know who you're walking past, Joe. Like you never know, like, or you never know what somebody needs or they may be hurting and they, you're just you saying hi to them or being nice or a friendly face at that point was all they needed. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I just try to make it a point to speak to everybody that I come by. I don't mean mug. I don't. I don't need to do that. To We've time. all experienced that where you're just like, why are you being unfriendly right now for no apparent reason? And we experienced it the other day. We were coming in from a bike ride and our, our neighbor that lives in the building over who never talks to us. I mean, like actively, actively doesn't talk to us, doesn't go out, you know, really kind of tries to avoid that. And um, she stopped and talked to us. And of course, we're like, we chopped it up, you know, it I was probably looked like this. <laughs> Yes, he kept. He was kind of like, have you seen that little girl with the awkward face in the back seat of the car? That was him. I grabbed my purse, and I'm. I was physically backing up because she was getting a little bit close. And she had like but red around her nose, so it she like, did look like she it was like there. Corona was on there. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> she did. Uh, that situation not a good one. That, it was not a good not one. A good parallel, because yeah, because you told all of that the crusty that nose like and all that. Corona involved but in that the one. important part of it is the conversation we had after that because it was very awkward for us we didn't show it and obviously not to her we were just super friendly like hey yeah we're just talking and i'm like i've never talked to you before in my life because you literally don't make eye contact with and me but you hey. let your dog poop and all you... over the place and never pick it up <laughs> yes so i glad she picked it up that day because we were out yeah there. because we were standing there yes i've actively watched her from my window take her dog outside and do one of these Yep. And then we walk away. She from always the dog takes pooping. a bag with her. And if nobody's around, it's like, dude, pick it up. There was one night, and see, God, That's the type of person let her dog poop in the house, low key. God had my time. back because I couldn't get the window open fast enough because I watched her and I was about to open the window and yell out the window, which probably Erica is that me. person, y'all. Like, <laughs> I was just make pissed. our whole living situation super uncomfortable now. Like, because that lady, you know, she ain't going to feel scared of me. She's going to be like, what the fuck wrong with your wife? And I'm like, I don't know. Dad. She does it to me too. It's like, <laughs> 
don't make it uncomfortable for us, man. We gotta live with these people. I but see I So what like... do I do to slap a sticker on her window? That's what you do. Can you please pick your dog's poop up? No. I'm like, that is trifling see, as Dr. hell. Dr. Buchanan would was... be like, that's passive. Now it, we gotta be assertive. I was mad. Now. I was really upset because in the No, area, you were aggressive. I was aggressive. What but... I talked about was passive and me going to her and saying, Hey, you know, could you please In a, a different bit. situation, I could be, you know, hey, neighbor. Notice that you let your dog poop constantly and don't pick it up. I'll have that conversation. But at this moment, he was pooping right in front of our garage door. Right there. I was like, oh, yeah, that, that means I got to like walk through there for that. So I was kind of upset. But anyways, too, moral to the story is after we got done with the whole awkward situation, we both were, I literally said, I'm like, that was awkward. So I said that to him and we're cracking. And he goes, you know, she's probably, she lives alone. Yeah. He's like, she's probably in her house. Uh, He said that. And then we got to talking about that. And I was like, you know, you're probably right. Like, this is changing people. It's changing people for the better or whatever you want to call it. But she does live by herself. She probably just needed that conversation. So I was glad. Very (laughs) passive. (laughs) Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been. No, but you know, I really did. Like, we've beat around how we're going to tell her to do this. Because I feel like. We. No, you just want to jump her. I'm like, you can't just jump the lady. You know what I'm saying? And it's not a lady. She's probably like 25, uh, 28, maybe 27. Old enough. And so, I mean, I don't know how to handle it. I was like, yo, just go tell her. Like, I do. I'm like, trying to actively catch her. Literally, I, one day I'm going to finally catch her and I'm going to be able to run downstairs. You see, she's saying act- catch her. When, no. I see, when I hear catch her, I think this. I don't mean catch her you like that. Just... Okay. I should have used a better selection yeah. of words. I don't mean catch her. I mean catch her in the act doing it so that I can walk down and act like I just seen her like, hey, you're not going to just leave your dog poop there, are you? But she was, though. She I was, know, she... but that's okay. Then I'm putting her on the spot, and then we can kind of have a conversation. You know if she is? tells me to go F myself, then It's fine. because she's a woman. That's why I feel a little intimidated. Maybe that is. Because, because here's if the she thing... did say that to me, what do I do? I can I'm come gonna call to you like, babe, yes. this lady just told me to F myself. But that's the thing. She could tell me to F myself, too. Or she could boss up and try to fight me or something. I don't know. I'm not going to fight her over dog poop. But I already have a Yo, backup plan. Not, I have a backup plan. It's not going to be about dog poop. It's going to be because she's going to tell you to go get bent. And then you're going <laughs> to fight her. That's what it's going to be about. It always starts with something trivial. Then it turns into an ass whooping. <laughs> That's not. We ain't going to fight about this. We're going to fight about the fact you just called me that. That's why we're going to fight. I can't, I can't confirm or deny whether or not it would have that series, the yeah. series of events. But what I would be okay with doing is outing her. I would turn into a Karen if I had to. You just gotta have some things in your back pocket. But that is one of those things. If where- she is watching the show, "Lady in the White Car" with all the bumper stickers and kayak stickers on the back of your uh, car. Stop letting your dog pick up poop. your dog's poop, please. And we live in such a cute, great area, and everybody's so awesome and cool. I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe I'm taking it too personal, but I'm nah, like, Bro. I feel you. I got brand new Jordans. I ain't trying to step in no poop. I just think it's rude. And especially when we had, you know, when Buddy was living with yeah, us. Yeah, we picked it up no matter I, what. No matter what. Every time I always picked his dog poop up. And I even picked up little ones around Yo, him that wasn't. I've his. seen this woman. She's got a she's got a leash that's one of those extended leashes. And she <laughs> lives on the second floor. So there's stairs, outside stairs. I've seen her stand at the top of the stairs and let that leash go all the way down. So the dog just comes right out past <laughs> the wall and pee and poop right there. And then she'll go back in her room. 
So, I mean, I can't. But uh, so the reason I think it's good to start a conversation is because she might not tell me to go effort myself or whatever. Maybe she might just say, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Maybe there's a good reason. I don't know. So I'm trying to do better and well, be I have better. A back problem, so I can't bend over and get it. I'm trying to be better at having conversations. So then she gets roped into picking the dog's poop up. <laughs> well, would you like me to come down and pick it up for you when you need to? That's exactly what would happen with your super no, nice No, I'd be like, uh. she go I'm, into the into the situation all angry you know what I this would. Mother- and then i hear the real story and i'm oh. like i'm like babe how can i help <laughs> that is me there is <laughs> no, no middle there's no she middle could, ground with me apparently game the hell out of you that's what's gonna happen she's i like, have zero middle ground this lady y'all. look like she wants to help <laughs> i'm either fighting she's got you got a together we rise t-shirt on oh yeah i'm about to play the hell out of her <laughs> Yeah, because I apparently have no middle ground. I'm yeah. either the help, most helpful person in the world or I'm going to fight you. That's yeah. it. You get one or the other. I don't know. She's like, you know what? I just don't know. <laughs> Depression has really been bad on me lately. See, I would, that would be I'd be like, how can I help? People have been yeah. messing with me because of my LGBTQ community. And then it could I'm be also anything. disabled. And then my native history, It's because I have my t-shirt. Oh, yeah. you're fucked. <laughs> I'm a How bleeding. can you not help I am a bleeding now. heart. So just so you know, because you might hear a lot of stories about me, you know, I guess addressing things with people. I am a dresser. I like to address things. I don't want it to, you know, I don't like feeling a certain way, so I'll address it. But flip side to that, I'm a bleeding heart. Like, uh, I am a bleeding heart. I just, I, I feel, I care for people. Me too, yo. Oh, gosh. I'm, yes, I'm, you My do. bleeding heart is rough. Yeah. Tough. It is. It's strong. All these comments are so funny. So my aunt says she can say what she wants, but she better scoop up her dog poop. Yeah, <laughs> That's get right. That poop up. Shoot. And my sister Erica has a cute little poop bag. Pick it up with your bag. hand if you didn't bring nothing out here neither. That's I, your fault. I do have little cute poop baggies. And guess what? You can buy them at Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree. It comes with a whole roll. Three pack. The ones from Dollar Tree, though, your finger might pop through. Be careful with those, boys. <laughs> No, your big old bare hands pop through. Yeah, it don't I matter. You got the sharp fingers. What <laughs> do you mean? My big nubs ain't... Look at this nub. <laughs> Put your claw up there. Let's see what we're My talking claw. about. Put that thing. You know what? You gonna stop talking so about like, our hands? But hold on, your hands are great because if it wasn't for those hands, Mikey would not have been able to palm. Mikey the always away. says that because Erica, this is this, this thing about Erica's hand is disproportionate in a way. <laughs> like the mitt of her hand, like this part, the palm <laughs> really is small. very small, right? But the fingers are really big. So I'm trying They're to give long. you an understanding of what this is like. <laughs> so this is how her hand is shaped. Take the white part. This is her fingers right here. <laughs> so this is her palm how to side and then the fingers be like that so there's that that now mikey got her (sighs) fingers long long, fingers and then my palm he did and he always says that he'll sit next to me and he's quarterback baby you think like, I didn't know what I was doing when I impregnated her? I knew what was going on. I knew I wanted a little shit. quarterback. I seen them hands. I was like, oh, yeah, God. there we go. He's going to have me a little quarterback. That's what I always say when they talk about my fingers. I'm like, you know what? You can palm a football because of me. So I don't want to hear it. That's true. You can. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. So, um, yep, exactly. Erica does have weird hands. So we- <laughs> <laughs> Put her out there. <laughs> no. And that's your family. She got to know. Yeah, she know. Because... De- <laughs> Dang, yeah, she, she tried me. Know. Yeah, they are. I, I, they, I have little palms. I don't palms. know if those are Hector hands. They may, no, they may I don't know. hands. They're just, I just have little palms and really long fingers. But the lady said you had nice nail beds. She does. I have. I do have nice nail beds. I get told that all the time at the nail shop. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I was waiting for my sister to come in. What'd she say? She had the cutest sausage fingers when she was a toddler. They made sausages. When though. I was little, they looked like little sausages. Oh. I don't know. I guess they just got oh, they too funny. Into, they turned into parents. Y'all trying me on my hands. Now, I'm not going to be self-conscious about them, though, because I really no, don't care. You, <laughs> you know how people no get self-conscious about them? I'm in pictures like, and that's like my favorite thing. She can scratch the hell out of the back with them boys, though. I'll tell you that right now. I take a back scratch anytime for them. Oh my god. Does she still bite her nails? No. 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 You used to bite your nails? When I was really little, like my cuticles and stuff. No. Yeah. I don't no, nasty now. I do. Now. I take care of my nails really well, y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny. Hot dogs though a little bit. Sometimes they get a little rough, but you know it's winter time, so <laughs> Pot- mm. that's slang Spanish for feet. He's talking about feet. Why yeah, well, you know. Anyway. So yeah, man, it's been good though, yo. Like this whole quarantine thing has been crazy. We try to come on here and not talk about that, not talk about the craziness going on with that. Just to give y'all a break from it, because I know like most of what we see on TV and everywhere else is about it. You know yeah, saying? but it's nice to touch on a little bit, especially if somebody has something on their mind. You know, like the last show, people were talking about the masks and we couldn't really find anything official. We're able to kind of come back and be like, well, the CDC came out with this. So, yeah, and all that know. is, that's good news. Um, What else do we know about this situation as of now? If, uh-huh. we, if we're watching how it all went. So like basically this is my prediction of what's going to happen. There's going to be a vaccine that comes out and it's going to be in probably like 12 or 13 uh, months. And then you're going to have to go by your birth date in order to get it. And then it's going to be like if you're born in the third month, then you get this at this point in time. I and feel then, like I've seen this in a movie. It's contagion. We're li- <laughs> we're all living in contagion right now. Like, let's not play games, yo. This is dead ass what contagion was. Like, I'm sure I'm pretty sure the dude even ate a bat. No, it wasn't. It was. Hold on. It was a bat. In Contagion, it, it was, was a, bat, a bat, but it wasn't the bat that ate. He didn't eat the bat. He ate a pig that the bat had got. No, 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 no. No, no, let me Let me say it. Let me say it. So the bat was in this, like, tree, and then they bulldozed the tree, and the bat flew off and went over by these pig gates and pooped in the pig gate yes. and pig cage, and the pig ate the poop, and then Because pigs eat anything. So it came from a bat, though. It did. Ultimately, it did come from the bat. So it came from the bat to the pig. But it was the chef. It was in the pig's mouth. And so when he was cleaning the pig, he had his hands in there in the mouth of the pig. He went straight from there, went and shook the main, the lady that died, went and shook her hand, took a picture with her. That yeah. was it. That was all it No, took, but, you, but if y'all ain't seen Contagion, don't watch it. <laughs> I was like, don't suggest that. Don't please. even do it. I can't, I can't be don't liable for what happens if you do watch Several it. Several times throughout. But I was they like, do why survive, we, though. I was like, why are we watching this right now? Because why not? Yeah. What's my you say? You guys are masochists. <laughs> we, we I watched, don't know what that means. And we but. watched it when it was like first beginning, like glutton for punishment, like pain. Like we yeah. literally watched it when it was like at the height. When I needed like to. Cause I need scary. to see how this all turns out. I didn't even know. I was like going to be like, no, you know what? I don't think we should. I wasn't even going to let him watch it. So Nicole Buchanan says, serious question. What are folks going to do about their nails? I'm two weeks in without a fill. Uh, well, you don't even want. Mm. How do you? So this is the thing I always wonder about. <laughs> it's and worry bad. About, like you know, if it's just polish, you can do that because Erica does a good job with her nails. But you got yes, that lack. I have. There. I I do shellac. So shellac. Yeah, shellac. um, and I don't have any acetone, y'all. So is I'm just kind of yeah. You have to like soak them, and and it's not easy. Like you got to soak them, and peel. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Doc, I, don't... I think you got like four or five more weeks to grow them out. That's what you got to do, right? Yeah, I'm. 
I might be able to get them off. I find some acetone and soak it. I don't know. We got acetone at the shop. Maybe I could get some <laughs> acetone from over Something. There. No, but that's a serious situation. I just had to, I mean, think about all the things that we can't get done now that are our usual, that are everyday thing is like your haircuts. Hair dye, nails, hair done, your nails, your pedicures. After this is over, yo, I'm putting stocks in barbershops, nail salons, all of that. Them, them mugs. Everybody's are cutting their own hair, dying. I feel like, was this a real story? But I feel like I read somewhere that they said that sales were up in hair dye because people are going to the store oh, and I having bet. to dye their hair. That's an essential. Yeah. I mean, it, go brave catching Corona. Go get you some hair dye. <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have that problem. I just went bald lately, as of lately because my head, he my hair, go bald. my hairline started with like a true religion sign, so I had to get rid of it. <laughs> Look at Walt. Look, Walt, come invest with me. Walt, <laughs> Walt, I don't think you can mess with mine, man. I don't think there's nothing you can do for me, bro. I'm, I'm already past that. I know you can help people, but you can't. I don't think you can help me with mine, bro. Mine is oh, done. Man. Mine is done. I got that. Um, I got that Uncle Aaron hairline. Now it's gone. But that is true because some people do go often, like needing their barbers. What she said, I do acrylic. I was in the nail tech 20 years ago. I was a nail tech 20 years ago. Oh, I'm thinking see, of doing my own again. You can fix your own problem because it's like probably like riding she a said, bike. But I'm scared. <laughs> Come on now, Doc. What would you tell me about being scared now? Come on now. Just do it. Find I, your serve nature. Is it I'm a five-minute problem, a five-month problem, a five-week problem? Which one is it? Mine is like a DEFCON 30 right now. It's bad. I don't even want to show them. It's so bad. And then I, I don't know what I was thinking. The last time I got it done, I got like this bright, kind of a bright color. And a lot of times, sometimes I'll do like just a French tip because I get them short. No, what with the color? Look at what it's I said. What, what, what's the what I said? Bro, your ways used to be spinning. They don't believe it. <laughs> nah, bro. I love it. Right Hold there. on. I'm going to give y'all a little glimpse. I ain't lying to you. My mug is gone, boy. And you but guys see, saw the, the problem, problem with it is. It's not so much that it's this part right here. This little this little Batman what do we sign call that? right there. That's the that's the Smith hairline. That's the Smith hairline. My dad's thing, my dad's thing went back here. I just went here. I had a double trouble. I wasn't never gonna okay. be okay. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. never gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. My grandfather hairline the same as All mine. Your uncles. My uncles, my dad's. I was donezo. Yep. But you know what? I don't care because I can I got this cool beard. <laughs> This beer breaks it all up, or else I look like a light skinned milk, but milk. Blood. It's so funny though with men, they're like, oh, my, I'm thinning a little me. bit. I'm going to just shave and everything's good. But like with women, our hair <laughs> starts turning. What is Damn, it? take it. Oh, <laughs> you wrong as hell for that one. <laughs> you wrong as hell. Tried, you yeah, man. You know what? I wear like damn near a size eight hat too. Dude, yeah, I guess you this do. is one of them dad hats that's supposed to have like that big old long thing that hangs off the end, but mine is only about that short. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I'll headbutt the hell out of somebody <laughs> to talk about my head. <laughs> I get violent. <laughs> Tank oh head. That's a good God. one. I ain't heard that, that one. That was a good yet. one. I ain't heard that one. You that showed it. You, on, you, know? Oh, I, you know, I don't care. My head is my head. Hell, I've been born. I've been having it for 38 years. <laughs> And this mug is worked a out for Absolutely. Me. But this quarantine does, like, it brings up so many things that you kind of take for granted, like getting your hair cut, getting your hair done, maybe getting the massage or whatever the case may be. You can't do none of that. Man, none of it. None of it. But you got to take care of your, your uh, personal spots. 
regardless, though. Oh, for sure. So but you can do that, some clippers or something. You can crib. do that at home, though. We're tired. Like, you know, a lot of that you can do at home. Some stuff like like nails. I can't. I don't really feel like do. I can't do the same job that no, they can do. Of course not. I mean, but they, why do you need them done? You just need to take that shit off. You don't need to really redo them. That's you ain't true. going nowhere. That's true. And I like my back scratches better it. without acrylics on anyway. <laughs> it's shellac, not acrylics. Which is, I wonder if my tip's going to go. What is it? I wonder, I wonder if, if my, my tip's, tip's going, going to go, go hop. Oh, you mean if they're going if they going to pop? Yeah, your oh. tip's going to pop. They've been saving up them tips, bro. They better pop. They better have get a with line you. out the door. My man Walt Cooper uh, right here. Let me see. Let me pull him up. My man Walt is a barber, been a barber for, shoot, since I can never yeah, remember. He used to cut my hair way back in the day when I was young, like 16 years old. But um, I wonder if folks going to start tipping personal care service more. They need to. I always Ain't tip. Lying. Like when I, go to the, when I go to the shop, I pay 15 for the cut. I always give him a 20 or $5 tip. Because, yo, like, period. Like, I feel like the 15 is for his, his work that he did with me. And the 5 is for, like, the health care you know, the stuff that he doesn't get, retirement, whatever. And that's not a whole lot of money, but that's just what I do. I do a flat 20. I'll go to the ATM, pull a straight 20 out, and I give him my 20, and that's what But especially what if you have a and barber that... if he, he charged me 25, I give him 35. I probably give him 36 But or especially if you have a barber that has, you know, good prices or whatever, you know, a little, you know, moderate. They're not super, super high. Tip well. You should yeah, tip. Why wouldn't you tip? I, I always mean, tip my nail yeah, technicians. always tip your service Always. Well. not services like in, like firefighters or policemen but like your people who come who do this type of work you know like so for instance let me just put it plainly so people understand um they don't have like health care and all of that stuff that we got so when you think if you was to think like okay it takes them one hour to cut ahead if he charges twenty dollars he's making twenty dollars an hour yeah but we make way more than twenty dollars an hour with the benefits so make that up for them yeah. You know what I'm saying? And not even just that. You're paying for a craft and not everybody can do that. And if, here's another thing that has always perplexed me is you have your favorite nail shop, your favorite hairdresser, your favorite barber, right? And you only go to them. You only go to them because they're good. They're good at what they do and they do you up right. Why wouldn't you take Hell care of yeah, that person that works on me. their craft so hard to be the best at what they do? And if you, you know, yeah, I don't go if anywhere anybody else. Anybody can deal with my tank head deserves a tip <laughs> anyways. I got to pay for that extra yardage on my shit. <laughs> <laughs> this extra yardage back here costs the extra $5 every time I go. <laughs> But no, nah, yeah, you should definitely work out your tips, man, for the people, the service workers. Absolutely. Let's think about who the service workers are. You got... You got, um, you said it's a craft. It is. Absolutely, man. Look, anything you have to go, anything you have. To, first of all, everybody can't just cut hair. Let's just be honest. I don't care how long you look. Even like, some people instance, cutting here right now. Everybody done walk into a barbershop and you see that one dude in the corner. Then you got no people waiting for him. It's always a dude when you walk in like, hey, man, how long is it? Well, my man Terry can get you over there. My man Josh. No, I'm not waiting for my man Josh. If Josh ain't got nobody in his seat right now, Josh ain't about to cut, touch my head. <laughs> and I got a special hairline you got to work with, too. I can't deal with that. So, like, yeah, absolutely, it's a craft. You got to know what you're doing. It's like an artist, a tattoo artist. Anybody can go to tattoo artist yeah. school, but do you really know how to draw? Can you? Are you an artist? You know what exactly. I'm saying? Exactly. So, like, yeah, man, some people are just good at what they do. Walt is one of them. Walt We've is all one had of horror stories. Probably one of the best barbers in the city, and it's, and it's proven by his weights. I mean, you can't even get in with Walt. That's another reason why I'm, I got rid of my hairline, because I can never <laughs> get in with you, damn it. <laughs> If you call Walt four weeks in advance, he's like, man, I'm going to try to work you in on, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be February. I'm going to get you in about April, my guy. Like <laughs> This four o'clock, April 4th work. No, I got like 18 things I got to do before then. Like 
that's four months from now, G. No. But he said he set his appointments out. You know what I'm saying? He's good mm-hmm. enough to be able to do that. You know, so and especially if they're local too. You know, somebody local support local owned businesses. Yeah, I agree with that. Hey, Walt, you can shoot me that cash app for that uh, for that promo when, you, <laughs> when we get done. Everybody's like, let me look this shop up here. Yo, no, Walt don't need no help, man. He got plenty of nuts. He got yeah, plenty everybody of work out knows there. the truth. Plenty of work out there. What do you say? Dang, you got my speech down. <laughs> Absolutely, yo. But what other service workers do we got? Shoot, I'll that put you, it can you like this. Yeah. yeah, that you can tip. You can you can tip your cable guy. You can tip your um your obviously your food care people and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, and even restaurant waitresses. Very specific waiters. one. If you go to the bar, if you go to the bar and you spend, let's say, I don't know, sixty dollars on drinks, right? But you only get one tab, so you don't pay as you go, right? So most people, some people go and they'll pay as they go. So they'll take, I get any drink, and then when they get that drink, they'll give them money. Say it's drinks four bucks, they'll give them five bucks. That's a dollar tip for every drink. So mind you, when you when you have that same issue, when you have a twenty dollar or say a hundred dollar tab, right? Two percent or twenty percent of a hundred dollars, you give them twenty dollar tip on that hundred dollars, right? That's what I tip anyway, just twenty percent. So just make sure that you don't look at it like, well, they only. They only, I only had one bill, so I'm only going to tip this one time and it'd be $4. Yeah. For I, I was about to say, I've bill. seen some bills and they just leave a $5 bill. And I don't know if it's just because it's a five, like they think that's okay. And I'm like, no, that is not okay. Your bill was way more than that. Right. Meaning that long list, they had to bring it to you. They had, you know, make sure it was on time, et cetera. Yes. I tip my pizza delivery. See, I do too. We do. Any well. delivery drivers. Mm-hmm. Shipped, you can tip on shipped now. You can tip, um, you know, Uber. Uber, that's one that's that nobody hardly ever yeah, tips. Yeah, I know. Like people don't tip Uber for whatever reason. I don't understand that. Like these people are out here; they're making four dollars to take you from your bar to your crib. That's like seven miles away, and it takes bad traffic and everything. And they'll just jump out the car. Like, well, because you didn't exchange cash, you think they don't need mm-hmm. a tip. But yeah, at all hours of the night, it doesn't take as long as a cab ever would. And especially when you get in and the car it smells good, you can tell that they try to make it a good experience for you. Some of them have like waters back there. They have chargers, gum. I always tip really Uber good, nightmare. Though. Just what? because we're getting to that time, I'm going to give y'all Uber nightmare. <laughs> I get a ride. First of all, two Uber nightmares. I get, I'll tell you just one. The Uber nightmare is this. I get to my house. I get dropped off, right? I wake up in the morning. I got all these crazy um, fees on my Uber. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? So it looks at it. It's like damage to vehicle. And I'm like, or damage to vehicle vomit. I'm like, what? So I contact Uber, which is all, all already in itself is like the most difficult thing to possibly do. I contact Uber and it's through email for like, probably five or six hours back and forth before I finally get them to send me the pictures of what they called me throwing up in the car. Because first of all, he wasn't in a throw-up state I wasn't at drunk. all. I wasn't it was drunk. crazy. So anyways, I, I see the picture. And what this woman did was she went to McDonald's and she grabbed a um, hash brown and orange juice and she chewed it up, spit it out, mixed it up together and threw it all on her dash. And the thing is, like if anybody's ever heard the, the thing like, pluh, Means like it just like, plug on somewhere and then slid down. The picture showed that it was like plug on her dash and then slid down. And I was like, yo, you gotta be kidding me. Like I was blown away that like I so basically what I'm telling you is I got scammed and it cost like it was like a hundred and sixty dollars a day. I got my money. But back. didn't they look into it? Yeah, they looked into it. And she had multiple of these when she was doing these. Getting it was keys. almost like anybody she picked up after one thirty, two o'clock in the morning in East Lansing, because that's where I lived at the time. 
she would do that because obviously the college students get all drunk and hammered and they do throw up in people's cars, which is my second story. But um, so that's what she thought she had in the car with her was like some MSU student that wasn't going to know any better. And she decided to pull this scam. Because what Uber does is they literally just take it right out your account because yeah. you enter in like an agreement just by using the service and they just take it out your account and they get that fee. The driver blown, does. Blown away, yo. Yeah, it was blown crazy. Away. But I, I was really proud that you stuck it out and stuck it out for all those hours going back and forth with them. Mm -hmm. So that, And you literally said no you guys need to investigate it and because you suspected what happened and so you literally gave him the playbook. I said you that, need like, to Yo, look this at this woman went to mcdonald's and grabbed because when you've seen the pictures i was like so I, I i suspected all of that yep and so he literally asked them i look into her like you know history or whatever how many times has she done this is this something that happens often because that's not something that happens all that often and when they looked into it they were like we're, yeah, we apologize we're, we're gonna reverse we're your fees we're sorry. Here's that money back. And I was like, yeah, yeah you're crazy. out of your mind. Um, somebody else you could tip. Um, obviously a plumber. Anybody who comes after hours, yeah. that's definitely a tip. For sure. Tip Anybody mode. delivering any type of food, stuff yeah. like that. Anywhere you can. If you can tip, you know, um, mailman, male women, whatever, you know, at um, uh, Christmas time, that's always, a, you know, give them a card, give them something in there. That's always so, nice. We got, we're going to try to do a show. Um. I was thinking about, oh, Saturday, either Saturday or Sunday. We're going to try to stick. I don't know if we're going to get through the whole weekend. I think that we want to, I know it's like a time when everybody's in the crib and doing stuff, but I want to give like the DJs and stuff. I mean, you guys a chance to, that are following and they're very faithful to watch the DJs cranking them out on Friday, Saturday, Saturday yeah. tonight. So Saturday, I think we'll come back Sunday with a live at eight o'clock and it'll be, I want to talk about, um, the whole incident in East Lansing. I'm gonna break that down. I got some video that I want to play. I got some uh, stuff that we talked about, like some different um, stuff surrounding that that I want y'all to see, so y'all can get an understanding of that. And if anybody doesn't know what that's about, it's a situation in East Lansing where they had, had um, it was a police brutality towards a young man in the parking lot of a 7-Eleven, and there was a big deal. And I would say look it up because there's it's there's a few layers going on now. Look at look the incident up that happened because. Now we're a lot more is coming out, and even today, there's even been probably more developments while we've been on, you know. Yeah. So, we're not to say we're not gonna get on tomorrow, I'll let y'all know. But, uh, I like the conversation, man. Like, I could do this all day, yo, like, real talk. I mean, we could talk back and forth all day, I mean, about all of this, but um, and don't forget over the weekend, too, that we do uh, Monday, we are having a special guest, we're having Dr. Nicole Buchanan on, so um. We talked a lot yesterday about mental health and the importance of self-care, taking care of your mind, body, soul, all these great things. But if you have questions for her or if you want um, her to touch on something or you want some information about something, shoot us uh, a, a message, inbox. You can inbox me, Mike. You can inbox the page, whatever. Let us know so we can talk about that on Monday. Yeah, so absolutely. Um I mean, I'm just blown away by her, her, uh, by her, the list of her accomplishments and things she's done and been, I didn't even know all of that. So again, go watch her TEDx. It, it's on YouTube and I will post on now that we transition this to America 20 life, which is what I wanted to do eventually was get away from my personal page and transition this over there. Make sure you guys go on and like America 20 life. So you guys can get the updates, but I'm going to post all of her information, everything that I have. And that she's given me. To, to let you guys know who she is, what she's been about. We'll post her YouTube that she did, a couple of them. But anybody mm -hmm. who, I think that it's not just about, it is, it is about mental health, but the way that she goes 
the way that she goes into um, mental health as it pertains to minorities and people of color, like I think is just amazing. It's so important. People just forget mm-hmm. that this is an issue. Like people don't understand that. And I hate to make the parallel. I'm not going to. I'll say this. A lot of people uh, don't look at the traumas of racism as if it's a real thing. But just think about that. Like, just think about how traumatic that can be for somebody to realize that because of the color of their skin or because of the way that they talk or because of where they came from, they may not have certain opportunities. And not only that, they're going to be beat down because of it. So there's a lot of mental trauma that goes around that. And so a lot of what she does centers that. So I think it's so important for my my uh, my community and the people that what I'm taught that I'm trying to speak at. Not to say I'm not trying to say that I don't speak at everybody, but probably the ones who are listening to this is is it's like really good to make that parallel and then hear from somebody that can talk to you about that issue. Yeah, that has that background and experience because I think that's what makes it and what makes her so important um, is her experiences, her background, and then adding that all up to, um, and then adding into that everything she does outside of just, you know, and and it's not just, but psychology, all the things that she's involved in, it's so important because it gives her a unique approach, a unique perspective. And a lot of people don't like to admit that they don't want to say that, you know, black men, black women, or minorities experience things differently. There's a, there's always that, you know, head in the sand we don't we want to deny that that that's happening that's a thing but it is a thing and so she can talk a little bit more about that from a professional perspective and with data there's data to back the fact that minorities experience trauma in a different way meaning the things to heal said trauma and cope with and tools that are needed are going to be different so so think about this like anytime you see and i'm just gonna think about anytime you see somebody that comes up and speaks out about racial uh harassment or discrimination or any type of thing like that that they're dealing with think about what it took for them to come to that point most times when you hear that somebody's finally spoke out it's because it's been years of this before they finally decided like this is enough think about the traumas of that on an everyday basis so it's a lot it can be a lot something to think about is most people of color have experienced some form of racism um well more than one time, five times, even a dozen times. There's so even many. Even if they don't know it. Even, it, it. Whether they do or they don't. But just understand and know that if you care about a person of color, understand that they have probably experienced some sort of trauma in their lifetime surrounding that in some way. Um, even if it came in the form of a microaggression or microaggressions that they deal with on a, on a, a daily basis or however the case may be, just know that that is a thing so not admitting it and not and just saying that doesn't happen or it's 2020 just understand that's not true just know that so one other thing before we leave i don't want to leave yet actually i want to get my guy on here uh matt do me a favor and inbox me your phone number i'm gonna skype you in if you could please sir matt brown is another one we're gonna bring on maybe sunday yeah maybe sunday or maybe we do him tomorrow maybe we bring him on tomorrow matt brown is a real estate agent broker um just all around fix your whole thing up get you a house and he's done it for me this is how i can say we didn't end up buying a house and it wasn't his fault it was no other circumstances surrounding it it wasn't it wasn't our fault or his fault or anybody's fault um, it was just other circumstances around it, but I'm telling you right now, this was back in 2016, I think. Yeah. Right before the outbreak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2017. 
Yeah, it was early 2017. He took us from a point of not even believing we could ever buy a house or anything could come from buying a house to yeah. to closing. Yes, with like, good interest rate. And he did everything. it all. <laughs> like we didn't have to do anything. Like he fixed credit, and that was one of the main issues. And I'm not ashamed to say, when I went in there, my credit score was like a four or five twenty. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I had just, I had a great job. Every I just had never thought about is, building on my credit. I'd never done anything to build like on lack my credit. of credit. Yeah, it was lack of credit. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he built me up to a point where I was good to go on a crib. Not to say that that's even a thing, because even having bad credit, um, even having bad credit, Matt knows how to work with to get mm -hmm. you right. He knows how to fix the things. He can send stuff in to get you get your yeah. stuff fixed up. So, I mean, just did an awesome job, and he could do that awesome job for Absolutely. all of y'all. And I think that, I mean, right now when the market is, I, I don't know, it seems like what the market's about to do with these houses though, if you're in a position to be able to buy, it might, it be, might the time. be the time, you know, like this might be a buyer's <laughs> time to capitalize on it. Yeah. You know, I hate to, I hate to capitalize on somebody else's misfortune, but who's buying a house right now? Yeah. So therefore, if nobody's trying to buy they're a gonna house, they're going to be trying to stimulate they're gonna that. Be, they're going to be saying, okay, well the, the house was for 120. Well, yep. we'll take a hundred because we want to get up from under it. Now you're saving 20 grand right yeah. off the top. So. so we'll have him on to talk a little bit about that and to give some background to us. Okay, exactly Matt said he's going to inbox after the show. So we'll talk. Awesome. I'll talk yeah. to him after the show. I was going to bring him on just for a quick second, but we will get him on possibly tomorrow. I'll let y'all know. Keep keep an eye out for America 20 to Life. Nicole Buchanan, Dr. Buchanan will definitely be on on Monday. And we're going to keep moving from this. I spoke mm -hmm. to uh, our my city council member. Um brandon betts who said he'd be more than willing to come on the show so we'll, so we'll be scheduling him, him on, soon schedule him on so i'm just gonna keep working from this angle man y'all yeah. tell me who y'all want to see on the show like what y'all want to talk about and we'll get him on here yo yeah. so lansing has a forgivable grant program see he's spitting knowledge already so we want that's why we want to have him on so if you have think of questions we've said for dr buchanan or even for matt brown um, things that you want information on and again as always on the page, any guests that we have on, we'll make sure that there's information. So Tashmika Torak and the Firecracker Foundation, there's already links, things like that up on the page. Go check those out. Um, Dr. Buchanan, her stuff is up. So you, you'll be able to read her long list of accolades and just her experiences and her the wealth of knowledge that she brings to the table. That's who you're getting a chance to talk to on Monday. So there's Tashmika's Firecracker yeah, Foundation right there. You guys go reach out to her. I mean, give a donation right now if you can. The money's going to go to a great place. She's definitely going to be helping the kids that we absolutely. just talked about. Yep. So and we I mean, know that firsthand, so we're vouching. Yeah. No, absolutely. I would definitely vouch for her. So um, that's it, yo. We had a great time with y'all. This was awesome. Um, We loved it. I hope y'all loved it. I hope y'all keep coming back. Make sure y'all go to the page, America 20 to Life, on Facebook and like it. Because yeah. this is where the streams will be coming from from now on. And eventually, I'm hoping to be able to get it off of our personal, personal pages thing. also all together. Absolutely. Um, so America 20 to Life, we're going to be putting mm -hmm. a lot more content on there, too, because we got so much. We just ain't really been. We haven't yeah. really been feeding it. We haven't been we'll feeding it. A lot though. of it goes on our page. So yeah. we're going to start feeding that, that, that content up. into America 20 to Life. And um, tell us what you want to talk about. Tell us what you want to see on the page. Whatever. Yes, please. Yeah, tell put, us. Put anything in y'all can think of, like put any type of suggestions y'all have yeah. for us 
anything that you guys would like to hear about, anything that we you love think to is go places and try new things. Send but... us information if you have some news that don't nobody else know about. And want the, the, the America Twenty Life to talk about it. You know, I ain't got no problem out and out and assholes. Put it that way. So <laughs> yes. if you know, an asshole that needs to be. And outed, we love to talk about everything. So. Yeah. So we'll we'll put it all on there. Make sure you go to our uh, YouTube page. All the shows that we've had up to this point are on the YouTube yep. page. This one will be on there tomorrow as well. So go to our YouTube, America Twenty Life. Subscribe to that. We need the subscriptions. We need because eventually, what our goal is to do is to move this over to YouTube completely and not have facebook involved that way so then when the live comes up it'll let you know lives on you guys can go right to our youtube and see Absolutely. it from there. Yeah. that's the goal so we're moving towards that we're learning we're this working. thing yeah. we're learning this thing and hopefully progress. it's all coming together for y'all so we love y'all yeah good show Happy man Friday. i appreciate it let's let's get the round of applause okay all right y'all we love y'all stay real Hopefully we can talk to you and not about you. <laughs> Love y'all. America, 20 to life. Yo, excuse me, Miss Lynn. Yeah. Have you ever seen a show with a couple on the mic with bad content and it don't come out right? We tight. They ain't never tight. And that's not polite. Am I lying? No, you're quite right. Well, tonight on this very mic, you're about to hear, we, we swear, the, the best, best podcast, podcast of the year. year. So, so. Here we go. Scream Bravo. Also, also if you, you didn't know, this is our show. Hey, I like that. Erica, 20 to life.